He's just still trying to recover, man. Getting better. <clears throat> Get a little better every week, but neck still stiff as hell, man. Like feel like Frankenstein most of the time. Yeah. I feel like I got on shoulder pads and some shit. <laughs> like I'm walking around with like the game been over, I still got the shoulder pads up. Walk, walking like you got a, a tight chest. Hey, right. Just everything tight, man. Like, goddamn, my nigga, loosen up. <laughs> oh man, hey. Hell no, man. <laughs> so, uh, I'm I'm already looking in the comments right now because I I want to see what people been down to hear opinions about, you know. And um, my man Nate called uh, uh, Dr. Umar School Fire Festival Part Two. I haven't watched Fire Festival, but I've watched, I've read enough about it. I need to watch that, man. Like, the last two weeks been kind of hectic for me because my, you know, my regular gig had me, you know what I'm saying, actually trying to earn my paycheck, you know. So, um, and, uh, you know, I ain't doing no tripping about it or whatever. I just wanted to catch up and stuff. So, man, Mike put me on to some stuff, you know what I'm saying, about the fire Festival. But I just haven't had time to really, you know, like sit down and dedicate no energy to it. Um... So, you know, we we um we're just working with uh, the the latest and greatest information um, right now. So, uh, you ready to talk, man? You ready to get into Let's it? Do it? All right. Let's get to it. Okay. So, the uh, the uh, topic list is in no particular order tonight. You know, but um, so don't get distracted by that when you get a chance to look. But um, so politics has always been a, a you know a very touchy point when it deals with black people, right? So every four years and every two years, there's a cycle where you know we spend a year arguing with each other to some degree or disagreeing about which candidate we should get behind and and things of that nature, right? So. Right now, the hottest topic has been Cory Booker and Kamala Harris. I've been reluctant to comment. I made a couple of comments about what I saw, and I don't think it's significant enough for us to write her off, you know, uh, as a viable option. Because ideally, we want to see, you know, what I'm saying some um, some change that reflects some social equity in people that look like us, um, you know, but. That, that to me, that's kind of like the long shot, because I care more about the local politics, because that's where, you know, you get your ground truth handled. You know what I'm saying? That's where you can reach out and touch your mayor to some degree, you know, or your district leader and things of that nature, right? Right. So, um, I'm still waiting for more information from both of their presentations. I've seen. I'm, I'm trying not to be, you know, what I'm saying a. Uh, uh, Directly influenced by what I see on social media, because anybody can drill down on a on a sound bar on a sound bite and create a whole nother dialogue about it. Yep. Um, I feel like Cory Booker's um, uh, policies and the things he's aligned himself with po uh, politically have been more towards the big farmer um, type of you know what I'm saying uh, 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 the the people that support him and back him right and. Kamala's played the game from the uh, the judicial level 
Um, and you know how it is, man. It's a it's a white institution, so you have to wear the jersey the right way in order to move up. Um, so she done did some proud shit. <laughs> by by all accounts, yes, people in some people in California would tell you, um, you know that who are closest to it will say that she's done some foul shit. Now, well, um, see, that's gonna be my beef right there. See, I don't know enough about either one of them because I know both of them on their press run right now. Yeah. So I'm I'm waiting till it's time to figure out who they are. Yeah. I haven't done enough of that, um, but that's already gonna be a beef with me right there. Yeah. So, um, I don't know how to get us to. Uh, I don't know what I could do to make us care more about uh, levels of politics where we think we can have some impact aside from just having the conversation because I understand that sometimes you gotta um, that right now it seems like I'm choosing an STD you know what I'm saying Like I feel like we're gonna get an STD either way you just gotta choose you're gonna get the one that's gonna require the pill or the shot you know um, so but again that's how I feel that's not what I've, you know what I'm saying, researched enough to align myself with, um, even though I've seen, you know, plenty of indications and I've heard these names over the last four to six years and depending on what they involved in, right? Right. So how do you feel about all of that? I think one way <clears throat> we can get people more, I mean, maybe at some point we just got to reteach it, like start over. Like mm-hmm. how about we just actually break down the hierarchy, like like the chain of how the government works from the top to the bottom or, or whatever. Because a lot of people seem to think just because like the local vote, like you saying who the president is should be the result of what you do locally. Yes, they should reflect, yes. But so Go ahead, go ahead. You can't start at the top. Like, we, we always <laughs> yeah. just want to start at the top. Right. But then when the local stuff come on, we change the channel because that ain't what's on. That ain't what's popping on the timeline because everybody don't live where you live. So everybody's, you never see local stuff on your timeline. That's cool. rare that you see that. Like, because it's, every, everybody just jumps on what's national. And nationally, we can't help each other. But locally, we can. Mm-hmm. So, so I always tell us to start home. Just if you started your own crib, like that's how it's got to go. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that, man. I I think that I'm all about. You know, we talk about the the difference between control and influence, and I think a lot of times people um, assign too much value to certain words and not enough to others. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, overreach in the idea that we can kind of control our politicians. We can kind of toss our, our, um, our vote for someone, right? But what they do with that based on where they work is relative to what they have to deal with every day. Um, so you could say, I elected you to do this, but like, and that's cool and everything, but when you get there, it doesn't happen that way. You know what I'm saying? Um, I feel like I have more influence and, and control and equity at the local level. And, and I feel like if everybody focused on their communities, then at some point the consistency will reflect in the hierarchy, you know? Um, because the what I can say has changed for me 
socially at this point in Trump's current administration is that I, I have a distinct line of how far and how long I talk to white people about what specific issues. You know what I'm saying? I'm always evaluating white people that 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 say that they're my friends, and I'm I'm uh, always evaluating um, black people's situation awareness because, like, the reality is that we got to figure out something quick to insulate ourselves economically. That's my logic, you know. So when I see people still you know, like dragging their feet about it and not making any kind of plans that lead towards an economic exit strategy. I question what are they doing for the culture? Because at this point, everything that we do individually does uh, uh, serve as an ambassador for the culture. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, if there's never been a time to get your hand in a pot, you know what I'm saying? Or, or get out of your feelings and get back in your bag. I think that's what, what we got to do now. And I'm, I'm kind of, not reluctant, but I'm I'm tactful about how I bring that up because I don't want to come off as somebody that sounds condescending or act like I've made it or something like that because I still got a nine to five. You know what I'm saying? I made some good moves here and there, but the thing is, I jumped out there feet first. You know what I'm saying? In, in some things, and I figured it out as I as I went. We're we're not in a stage anymore where we are a lot of time to wait. You know, we don't get paid enough from our jobs to save enough to be able to retire comfortably, you know? So we have to figure out some way to economically insulate ourselves as we get older. And that way we can establish some real social equity that may lead to political leverage at our local politics. Right. So, I I mean, like, I got a couple different topics that I can kind of bounce around on that we, you know, like, you know, we, we chopped it up a little bit this week, not as much as we have in previous weeks because it's been kind of hectic the last three weeks, you know, between, right. you know, your surgery and, and, and uh, my my regular work uh, cycle. But all of these things I'm talking about lead to, lead to another um, design that I see um, that I feel like we need to reestablish. Everybody's talking about reestablishing Black Wall Street. And we always talk about let's make some obtainable things happen first. You got to do, you got to lay the bricks in the road, right? So, um, and I think that we need to focus on doing some things like um, reestablishing our own, or an updated version of the Underground Railroad, you know, like where we create spaces for people that already have a plan that are self-starters but maybe need a little bit of assistance and in logistics to get themselves situated you know what i'm saying they got to have a plan almost like a business plan and we create some some uh some economic spaces that provide them a little bit of uh relief to you know like set themselves up for the next move because like i want to see that happen with entrepreneurs you know what i'm saying so like you know, we already talked about it. Like, if you plan to move to Texas, I want to make sure I'm in a place where I can help with that transition. But you're not going to be right. asking me uh, uh, for ten grand to get yourself situated. You're really just going to be looking at, hey, I just need a space where you know I can think, and, and if I need some uh, some networking assistance, I can figure everything else out from there. You know what I'm saying? Right, we need right. something that creates 
a level of uh, intellectual ownership for our own situations. That way we care about it more. Because, you know, it's just like giving a kid a car when they turn 16. If they ain't spend their money on it and they tear it up, they're not going to appreciate it the same way, right? They ain't going to respect that car. Right. So I, I think that there's an opportunity in, in all of this political uncertainty. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and I think what we can control is our regular dealings with each other. Like we gotta go, we gotta transition from uh, being so unbalanced with certain topics as the primary topic and also, uh, you know what I'm saying, balance that whole conversation out with some of these socio-political and, and economic discussions like what we have right now to kind of change and propel us forward, you know, in regards to how we think and how we perceive things, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's that's why like I kind of broke that up because uh, one can't exist without the other, but they ver- they they require their own conversation, you know, um, and it can it can kind of trickle into a few different things. Let me see what's in the comments over here and see what's see what's going on because I know I'm missing some good stuff in here, you know. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay, so my Facebook friend Elise Sadler said, "When I look at blacks in America now, I don't see the fire and brimstone leaders, the ones that had to be compelling and move you to unite. It's not really necessary anymore because America is now more than ever recognizing individuality. Agree with that? So now leaders are not really shouting anymore. They are more so trying to get people to embrace." Uh, embrace the individuality and look inwardly. I think this is confusing the shit out of black America because we are so used to depending on someone to lead us. We've talked about that before, right? We usually, we're focused on like, we need that one guy. You know what I'm saying? Um, Let's see here. And now it's a me against you and that's not the message. I feel the message, your individuality is key to helping make us better. So, because you are uniquely uh, you and have your own set of divine gifts, you can bring your contributions to the table to help propel the community as a whole into better. That's exactly what I'm talking about, man. Like, I we can't all think the same way and expect different, you know, outcomes. You know what I'm saying? We have to take different paths based on our own indiv- individuality that add up to, you know, uh, um, a, a, a joint arrival to the same uh, desire, right? So, based on, you know what I'm saying, our current capitalistic structure and stuff, yeah, you're just going to create some individuality because you want to be recognized for the work that you do. You want to also be able to say, I don't need to work for anyone but myself, too, you know? Uh, I don't want to have anybody else with their hand in my bag, you know what I'm saying, uh, dictate my quality of life. Right. Um, so let, let's see. And she goes on to say, let's address the black American mentality. We are no one until someone tells us who we are. Most of us are still waiting for permission to be. They are still looking for someone to tell them who they are and how to be it. I get it. I've been brought over from another country for centuries. And we have been in change longer. Yeah. Man, look, at least it's on it, man. Like, but those are variables that, among reasonable people, I think those are formalities. But the conversation is worth vocalizing 
and and and, and adding, you know what I'm saying, like our uh, personal touch to it. Because if we only uh, confine ourselves to what we thought we were supposed to have, we'll never arrive to what we're supposed to have, you know, because the opportunities and lanes that lead us to those different results are always changing. Nothing, I mean, it's completely fluid, you know. The same drop of water does not run over the same rock in a river. So when you look at these different metaphors, man, and, and, and how they represent us going forward, our, re, our resources are there. Uh, when the opportunities are there, but our resources to obtain a path to those opportunities is always changing, you know. But the the um, the whole flow of everything is always constant. That that represents the river for me. You know that rock ain't going nowhere. But the speed in which that water is moving over that rock determines how the angle I ha of approach I have to take to get to it. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it becomes some some economic uh uh, uh you know what I'm saying a uh, uh, calculus I guess you could say. Okay, so my man Ben say, my issue with politics within the community is that the community may not share my governmental needs. Until the majority raises in social class, I probably won't identify. If I go home right now, 80 to 85 percent of the people are worried about welfare, government programs. That doesn't matter for me necessarily. Correct. He said he falls into a different class and, uh, and he's trying to climb. I'm not worried about making the bottom comfortable. That's the individuality part because we've seen what it's like when you stay there. You know what I'm saying? Like, like even in my book, when I talk about those multiple poverties, you know, your intellectual poverty, your uh, relationship poverty, your financial poverty, and um, your generational poverty, all of those have different equities in a push-pull symbiotic relationship. And I think economics are the main a driver in a capitalist society that dictate the way that you see something worth doing or not doing, you know, like it, like how many times we've seen videos where guys like Adrian Bronner walk into a fast food restaurant, try to hand somebody that worked there ten thousand dollars, and they won't quit. And they won't quit. And even Kanye West's poorly articulated message uh, about you know like slavery being a choice. At some point in economic slavery, I see what he was trying to communicate as we witnessed with the shutdown at some levels, you know? And I'm not talking about people that's got like, you know, quarter million dollar better jobs. I'm talking about folks that's working for 40 to, to 80, right? Or 40 to 60, well, pick an income bracket that's below a six uh, figure uh, gig. Once you get dependent upon, you know, that, that uh, nine to five and that W-2, and you are deliberately not trying to find another income stream, you're kind of reconciling yourself economically to the whims of somebody that may have a Twitter rant and decide that, you know, the government's not going to open up that day or four times. Um, so, but it, to me, that, that showed me that, well, it validated. It didn't even just show me. It validated. It was some things that I always thought, you know, could uh to happen that that could happen, and when they did, you know, what I'm saying I it, it validated everything that I had been working towards leading up to that point. Now, in no way, shape, or form have I made it. Like I said before, I still got to work, but I know that the pieces I have right now 
give me a little bit more control and influence over my outcome or for the outcome of my household for me and my wife uh, than, than it would if I was still dependent upon, um, you know, like that one source. Right. So you got to have a unique talent and you got to grow it and you got to harness it. And, and if you don't align it with helping other people, it's going to be limited too. You know what I'm saying? So um, there's so many different things out there right now that fit that same uh, uh, line of logic. Like when you were talking about uh, LeBron's uh, recent docu-series, a documentary about more than an athlete, I still need to watch that too, you know? Right. Um, and he created his own economic underground railroad when you think about it, right? He made it. He brought his people on. He kept his money under one umbrella. You know what I'm saying? He kept the talent in one spot, and he's able to profit off of himself probably in more ways than others would have been able to profit off of him if he limited himself to only playing basketball. You know, the the philanthropy that that he's been involved in has created another opportunity um, for him to make an, to have an economic exit strategy. So, like, if he don't want to play ball anymore, nobody's going to be mad at him with that, you know? No. Because, like, what his real gifts are, um, aside from the game, is bringing other people up to, uh, um, up to the level of self-awareness where they believe in themselves, you know? Right. He ain't got no... Got a bunch of people depending on him to keep playing. Right. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. It, it's cool, whatever you want to do, homie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that was just a that was just a beautiful thing to see some mm-hmm. somebody actually carry that playing out. Yeah. And having some dudes that can execute it too, like it took, that's a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. To to be able to to hang with everybody, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, man, and uh, you know, uh, I, I think th- that's gonna be a a topic woven into the rest of this chat. So I'm gonna go ahead and move on to the next one, man. Let's do it. All right, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna break the cycle real quick. You know, we got to get to some uh, some different news here. Hmm. So in New York City, there was an undercover cop that was killed in the process of of an uh, of an ongoing robbery okay a guy tried to rob um, a phone place and an undercover was in vicinity of where the where the, the act went down right right and cops uh responded one of the cops i don't know his name right offhand i can find it in a little bit but uh, the cop fired um, a bunch of shots and r- resulted in him hitting two he hit three people two of the three people he hit were cops one of the two cops died ugly real ugly now I was in a thread <laughs> earlier he just dumped dumped it and it reinforces a lot of stuff that I've said in the past. You know, like I, like I remember last year with the Starbucks situation. I remember making a post. Uh, you know, the one that happened in uh, in, in Philly, right? In Philly, yeah. Yeah, I made a post about. I said, look, man, when folks say they're calling the cops, just go ahead and treat it as though that somebody's coming to kill you. 
because the cops don't show up to ask questions. You know what I'm saying? They show up to det- they don't show up to det- uh, to defuse the situation without uh, either detainment or deadly force. Okay. Uh, m- most instances where, where we look at the escalation of a situation, the cops respond to the initial call as if that's the actual result when they get on site. You know, how many times have you gotten a phone call from somebody close to you and it sounds hysterical and then you get to the situation and it's not what it said it was? I could have kept my shorts off. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? I got dressed every, for this. Every time. Not how many times. Every time. Right. You know, and so in that particular situation, when I when I read it, I said, based on my background, having been in the military, the way that that situation was handled, that would have been a war crime, you know, in, in theater somewhere. Soldiers cannot run up on an objective and just start firing shots. And people, so they don't have the same rules. If like, they, if they, they don't have to confirm a target. Like it's just. Man, look, it. it I don't. They got. I, they I don't. Got Steph Curry green lights out hey, here. Hey, well, this is one thing I'm gonna say. I don't know what the complete rules are. Well, I just want to say that I'm talking simply on tactical decision making, right? Right. Um. I've, I've I've heard some very specific, uh, um, you know, things said in the past, like make sure you see what you're shooting at. You know, I think that's pretty simple enough. You know, uh, just starting there. And ultimately, uh, there was some people that was in this one social media thread said, "Man, you don't know what happened. You got to wait for the facts." I said, "Okay." I said, "Right now, we're just talking about the information as it's presented, but based on how the information is presented." It looks like somebody just walked up and started shooting. They started shooting. If a cop ends up shooting two other cops, I can I can kind of give a pass on the undercover because if they didn't know, they didn't know, you know. But one right. thing one thing is for certain, some communication wasn't wasn't uh, happening. And then get this, the dude uh, that was trying to rob the place had a fake weapon, and was. Later believed to have uh, attempted to have a suicide by cop uh, event, so he went there trying to fake rob the place so the cops would kill him. Okay. What? Yes. People got some issues out there, man. Uh, That's but, a long way to get down that street, boy. Correct, man. Um, but but in this situation, I was talking to these other two guys that just wouldn't sit back and just say, look at the information as it's being presented and then make a, 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 a an honest assessment about it. And they were too busy saying, you don't know what happened. I said, I got that. Most people don't know what happened. But if two cops get shot by another cop, that to me says that the one cop just had the the fire, fire for effect type of mentality. And then lo and behold, it said that was... Um, uh, 42 shots fired. Oh, this is my homeboy, Brian. Hold on, I'm going to go ahead and answer this real quick. Let me put you on, all right? All right. Yo, B, what's up, man? I'm going to put you on real quick. Hey, Drew, Brian, y'all there? Yeah, what's up, man? Okay, uh, let, me, let me finish saying this part, and I'm going to let you speak, Brian. Okay, so ultimately, what, what the amount of rounds that was discharged with 42 shots seven officers and 42 shots were fired in 11 seconds 
I don't know what type of logic was applied before the triggers were pulled, you know. Uh, I do see that there's a huge communication gap. These are just the glaring things that, that can't be overlooked. So Brian is actually in law enforcement, and I'm glad he called because I'd like to get his input on it. So, uh, but hey, look, but before I say anything and, 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 and open you up to questioning, to everybody that's listening, Brian cannot account for every bad cop, okay? He don't know every bad cop, just like you don't know everybody that's stealing cash out the register where you work at, okay? Uh, so like don't don't don't, don't put <laughs> some of y'all that won't even report negative behavior to your own HR. So don't try to get Brian to save the world because he's in law enforcement. Okay. So uh, Brian, I'm gonna go ahead and let you talk, man. Yeah, man. I'm uh, let me just introduce myself real quick, man. Um, my name is Brian. I know I know Vic for a little bit. Uh, we've been in the military as well. I've been combat arms. I've been in Iraq. I've been in law enforcement now for about coming up on four years. I've got a tactical background, SWAT training, canine, um, narcotics work. So, you know, I, I like to follow a lot of these things and stuff, uh, mainly because, um, you know, even though this information is out there, a lot of people still, you know, they, they either don't know or don't understand, you know, what either what we're allowed to do or why things are done based off the decisions that we make. And although it may seem like, you know, well, why would they do that? You know, or why did they do this? Or why did they fire this many shots? There's actually, there's a lot more that goes into it than just, you know, what you read or, or what you saw. Um, so whenever, whenever, and I, I, we, we talked about this before too, you know, especially on these law enforcement topics, man, I, I like to have the conversation with people just to provide some kind of insight, you know? Right. And I, I, I don't have, I don't have all the answers. I mean, I, can, I can't tell you, um, and I don't know exactly what occurred for this particular situation because I actually saw this um, last night when I was at work, <clears throat> so I didn't really get, get to look at it. But um, I know some people got some questions or whatever, or some people were going to ask you about why did this happen or where is this happening, and that's kind of what, what I want to try to be able to answer to provide some kind of clarification. So as, as you go on with it, uh, Vic, if you got like a question or like you know, if you just try to get a kind of an SME answer for it that's what i wanted about okay all right that that makes sense um i appreciate that too man um like when i when i saw it i was like tactical mind because look all first and foremost everybody that's talking right now we all have served okay and whether you've had you know like uh immediate involvement in a in a firefight or or had some sort of cqb close quarter battle training um, you know, very precise stuff. Uh, there's some, there's some uh, parameters at, at the at the DOD level that are just kind of like universal across the board. Do we agree on that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because yeah. TTPs are the same on, on some things because uniformity is key in situations regard, revolving on around you know use of deadly force. Uh, one of my friends, uh, Mike Mata, is a former Ranger, you know what I'm saying, S5 guy. And he was providing, you know, like a lot more context as well about things that go along with preparing folks to deal uh, uh, with identifying a threat in a firefight. And those dudes rehearse and practice so much more than we can ever uh, talk about, you know, uh, uh, over, over Facebook live chat, you know. And 
and some of the points that he made, I wish I had stripped him away. I wish he was available to talk right now, but um, you know, he was dead on. Like, but this, but this is my problem. The stuff that was done, the stuff that happens to U.S. citizens, at, you know, what I'm saying uh, at the hands of law enforcement, would be war crimes. And and uh, uh, if soldiers had done the same thing in a foreign country, in a in an actual uh, combat situation, because. You know, I just don't understand how come, uh, you know, like when, when the use of deadly force is authorized and, and said, you know, that that's the way to go. Like, what what are some the determining factors other than just saying I fear for my life? So first, I hear this, this uh, comparison a lot, right, when they talk about ROE or rules of engagement when in a combat theater versus what the situation factors on the law enforcement side. And I'm going to tell you right now, man, ROE, that is politically driven. That's what drives ROE. Um, depending on what phase of the operation is you are, are in combat, is what's going to decide how aggressive uh, forces act. So look at, you know, 01 and then on the invasion, and 03 on the invasion in Iraq, you know, when you're in your shock and awe phase, you know, it, it's, it's pretty much game on for the most part. And, right. You know, a lot of guys can tell you that, that you know, you know, that they're there, you know. Yeah, I, I get that part. I was there during that right? time. Like, everybody so, everybody yeah. can take an L at that point. Yeah, you know, so, but as the war progresses and you start to really hone down on, okay, what are our objectives? You know, we're, we're here to establish a government, so to speak. You know, without getting too wrapped up in it. But, uh, you know, and as they start working with, uh, foreign governments, okay, now we draw back on our use of force and all that other stuff. So look at the tail end of like, you know, 2010, 2011, on the, on the draw out with Obama, the ROE was nothing like that. You know, we, yeah. took, you know, we took contact plenty of times in 2010 uh, without a, re- a return shot fired at all, period. And that's after, you know, we, we, you know, we were hit. <clears throat> so that's, a lot of that is politically driven as far as ROE and country. Um, on the law enforcement side, you know, we, you know, we, we, we make decisions with everything on the law enforcement side is reactive. You know, there's no real forward operations like when working in a military capacity. So when, when officers are, and, it, and it, it happens a lot, you see like when officers arrive on scene, because they kind of give you a breakdown, right? The way, when a, when a call drops for an officer, right, you're in your vehicle, you get, it's like that telephone game. You got the caller who's talking to the 911 operator. The 911 operator is writing down like keynotes, and that goes to the dispatcher. The dispatcher is then giving it to the officer. So, in that frantic state, things are being can possibly be misconstrued or not portrayed correctly. Because just like you said before, where like you know, you know, you heard somebody say, "Hey, get to the house quick!" Or this and this, this, this happened. You got the worst running in your mind. You get there, and it really ain't that bad. Mm-hmm. And the majority of times, that, that's how, you know, we get to things. But understand where if the call comes out as, hey, you know, T-Mobile is being robbed by a man with a gun. You know, we have to get ready to respond to a man with a gun. You know what I'm saying? Um, is this guy willing and ready to use that weapon? Uh, you know, we don't know. You know what I mean? Is he willing to hurt himself? Is he willing to hurt others? Is he willing to hurt us? You know, we don't know. So <clears throat> you got to understand that the mindset of, when we get there is that, you know, there's a, we don't exactly know what's going on. We just know what we've been told 
from the dispatcher and from and from the caller and the call taker. Uh, understood. And so we don't we don't even have all of that. Right, I got that part. So, I understand the heightened sense of awareness on ride in arriving to the scene of whatever the site is. Right, I got that part. But at some point, when you get there to the site, with all that heightened sense of awareness, that don't you shouldn't that be a point where you regroup and say we got to reevaluate the threat now that we're here with eyes on? Yeah, if if if, 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 if the time if the if time if time a lot. You know, that's stuff that, you know, when you're in route, you want to try to communicate with responding officers. You know, um, a, a lot of times, you know, a good policy is what's going to help that. You know, saying, you know, what's going to happen or, you know, you got you to gotta make sure there isn't an immediate threat. So you're saying... Understand that so so not, and I'm not trying to interrupt you too much. I want to make sure we reiterate the same thing. So there's a difference between policy from police precinct the police station or or whatever so without knowing oh, yeah. the the uh the local policies for that particular unit's uh way of doing business then that's a, that's an information gap is what you're saying yeah and, and that and that and that can that, that can be uh an issue especially if you have different um agencies responding to the same call okay drew you got something you want to ask or add man Oh no, nah, man! I'm just hoping. I mean, I do find it interesting about what little information that they have coming from, I guess, to the to the cops actually going to the scene. Like that is not more detailed as as far as actually what's going on. Yeah, I, I, like wouldn't that like wouldn't that like so that does that automatically make them go to ten? I think they have to pull up on ten anyway. I mean, you know, and, and this, and a lot of this kind of boils down to the individual officer, right? Yeah. And this is something that you see, and this has been my observation in the time that I've been on the job, is that a lot of times what dictates an officer's response on front arrival has to do a lot with their experience, their prior experience. Mm, okay. Um, my first, my first call on the street was to, uh, you know, a shots fired, somebody had been shot, you know. So in my mind, I was going to now. Granted, I already been been combating on other stuff but think about you know the brand new person who's just gotten into law enforcement never been in any kind of deadly force encounter and their first their first call they get on their own is to hey you know this person there's a man on the scene he's already shot somebody you know so already going through his mind is like okay you know i'm i'm, I'm possibly going up to a fight right you understand what i'm saying but, so that's going to already gear your mind to or that um, part makes more, sense. More, if somebody's already shot, I get that part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, well, what if it's like? Go ahead, Drew. No, yeah. No, I'm just saying, like, what, like, that's that's one issue. Like, somebody's already shot. But like, what about the just okay? Got a guy standing out in front of the store selling cigarettes. How do we get to ten from that? Mm. Right. Unarmed. Um, Unarmed. So, I mean, right. like, a, lot, a lot of that's going to depend on, how, again, how the call came through. Now, if the call came, now, okay, so we'll use that as an example, right? And what it sounds like, kind of speaks of like, like a loitering, like right? They're standing out front of a store. And let's say this is, because I'm saying there's a difference between what we call officer initiated contact, where I see something and I'm going to stop out and talk to somebody, versus I've got called here, right? Okay. So 
on the event of, you know, and, and let's say we'll, we'll kind of go with that as an example. Let's say I got a call about, you know, a man out front of the store loitering, possibly selling cigarettes, you know. In my opinion, do I need to do I need to show up, you know, hopping out and hey, you know, do this, do that, get on the ground and this, this, this and that? I mean, I, I mean, I don't possibly think so, uh, but I do need to have command control of that situation, right? Because so many times have we shown up to maybe something that was minor or maybe something that was like a, like we would call it a suspicious person or so. That's how the call came through. Um, and the guy's just hanging out front, right? And you may think that, okay, well, you know, why do we need to approach a man like this? Because it can go from zero to 10 just like that. And if I, if I come in on zero and my homie's already on eight or nine, now I got to react to that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so when you show up, you, you got to have a command presence. Well, well, and that that's and I think that's a lot of the issue too, because like when in that situation that we discussing this up right now in the current topic, the first thing I said was they did not have positive control over the situation, and control is established through communication. Do we agree with that? Yeah, of course. Okay, so that I think is 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 it? Do you think it's an um, too far of an assumption? to say that the cop that fired all the shots did not have a clear line of communication to the other two cops that he shot? Um, yes. That kind of goes into a kind of a training aspect, in my opinion. Um, again, I don't know the layout no. of uh, I got I got look, I got that part, but here just 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 uh, just put yourself in that situation. If you roll up to that particular situation and you know it's two cops there, do you not try to establish whereabouts and command and control with your counterparts? Yeah, you should. If you oh. have direct comms with officers already on scene, yes. All right, cool. In this situation, based on how it was presented, let's just take two different variables. Let's just assume that those guys had communication with each other. Do you think that one of those officers made a unilateral decision? Okay. To do what? To actually fire the weapon. I mean, so in this situation, I'm just, you said 40, how many, 40 something shots were fired? It was 42 shots. Okay. I can tell you right now. In in, in 11 seconds. In 11 seconds. Yeah. So it was about three of them. Yeah. I can tell you that right now, just on the simple map. There was more than one top fire. Oh, yeah. Period. Yeah. Because I was like, one guy reloading? You know, like, or what? You know? Yeah. So, so and, and, that's, and that's another thing that goes. Oh, God, sorry. So, so that makes it even more egregious, then, right? Because right now the current I, know, the current metric says it's forty two shots, seven officers involved, and forty two shots were fired inside of eleven seconds. That doesn't sound like anybody was talking to me. Well, I mean, how much? I mean, how much time do we have between initial contact with? the suspect and then shots fired well based on the fact that the initial suspect that the suspect didn't even have a, a real weapon and was in proximity with uh inside the store with the other two officers where they were actually shot by their own officer i'd say somebody didn't you know like uh uh somebody just didn't pass the information the right way and i think all of this goes back to Establishing command and control of the situation, and that wasn't happened. That 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 didn't happen. 
Okay, so real quick to kind of get get to the facts, um, how many of those officers knew that the weapon indeed was not operable or wasn't real? That part we cannot answer. I can't answer. I don't know what information you have. You know, and then and then I, yeah, and I, neither do I. Um, and that, that, that that was me asking. Sorry. So, kind of with, with with that being known as well is that you know if if nobody knew that the weapon itself wasn't real, and I'm gonna tell you right now, I mean everybody here has seen. You know, a BB gun or airsoft. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, look, I am not. I'm going to say this right now. I I do not dismiss the fact that a dude with the replica weapon didn't deserve to get shot based on that situation. I'm not saying that, that, oh, it's a fake gun. They should have known better. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying. It's a fake gun to get shot at all? He got shot, but he didn't die. Okay. Mm -hmm. From what I read, he got hit eight times and he's in the hospital right now. He was, he, yeah. He was supposed to. Uh, he was allegedly trying to go death by su- suicide by cop. Yeah, suicide by cop. Yeah. He he wanted to die. Yeah, which okay. which means like he brought the fake weapon, hoping to induce, uh, um, you know, like uh, involvement of the police and actually being shot. So, what I'm still so still ultimately what I'm saying based on the numbers and the simple idea that if somebody fired 42 shots inside of 11 seconds, like you said, what we don't know is how long were they on the objective before first contact, right? Right. Um, I'm saying ultimately that somebody still should have been like. Hey, if you guys are gonna go, uh, what happens when you leave the range? Keep your weapon up and up and in down range, right? Yes. Like, so what I'm saying is, is if you got two people that's on the objective, and they say, "Hey, we got a guy with a uh, possible gun. We don't know if he's gonna use it. If you guys have to fire, this is where we'll be located inside the building. You know what I'm saying? If if it comes down to it, you know, if you get this okay. motion." I, 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 I get, I get, I, I see what you see what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, in, in that case, yeah. Okay, so see, right. So, so let me kind of, let me kind of, uh, let me kind of, uh, Chad, I'll talk kind of from my agency how we would do things, and then kind of in a general stance. Um, would you have? Okay, so now in law enforcement, we have a lot of times what we call either a push or a hold, right? If I've got a subject who has a weapon um, and hasn't hurt anyone yet, um, I need to try to make contact them with as soon as possible. But I'm probably not gonna go in there, please. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. Um, I'm gonna use. I'm gonna take that tactical pause with the officers that arrive on scene, and we're gonna say, "Hey, look, you know, you've got lethal, you've got non-lethal, um, and so on and so forth. This is how we're gonna try to do it. We're gonna try to call him out, or if you need to go in and go in there, we're gonna go ahead and do that. Those are the kind of things. If the time, if it's permissible, yes, that you want to have established. You know, everybody needs to have their assigned roles and what you're about to do when coming onto a death, uh, into a contact like this. Um, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, and if they were granted that time, then that's what should have been done. You're absolutely correct. So that, um, that, again, that's, that's the part I'm talking about right there. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, and a lot of that does go into departmental training, um, which you will notice. And I, and I think he said that these guys were detectives, correct? What's up, there? These guys were detectives. No, these guys were. Uh, yeah, one of them was a detective, and two were cops. So, 
Okay, so some patrol guys. Yeah, un- um, uniform guys. Yeah, and you'll see a lot of that. And, I, and I'll be the first to tell you right now, man. Um, believe it or not, the law enforcement side really, really suffers when it comes to weapons or tactics training. Just because the dude is a cop does not mean he's proficient with that firearm. And I'll be the first to tell you that right now. Okay. So many guys right now I, I've seen out there, I mean, I mean, on the range, have a hard time, you know, doing with it, you know, being proficient on their weapon system. And I'll tell you that right now. That's across the board nationwide when it comes to law enforcement. Okay. Um, and, and it's the truth. They, they hurt on that. Uh, whether it be because the department doesn't provide enough or they don't take the initiative on their own to further themselves in their craft. Okay. That's good to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that's, and, I, and, I, and I'll be the first to tell you that right now. And there's a lot of cops out there that I'll tell you that. Not every, and believe it, not every cop, man, just like not every soldier is a, is a gun guy. Got know? it. Um, yeah. And, and, I, and, I, and I say this all the time, yeah. man. I, and, and you know me, Vic, man. I'm, you know, I, that's, that's, that's primarily, you know, what I do, a lot of that stuff. Yeah, your blood type um, is guns. And, and, yeah, you know, <laughs> but I focus and I and I and I harp so hard on it because I can mess up a report, right? My supervisor's gonna say, "Hey, fix this." He's gonna kick it back. I correct it. I can do that twenty times, but I show up to a, a gunfight. I gotta get it right the first time. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And that is the mentality that you gotta have um, when your profession requires you to carry a weapon. Man, I I, um, I recall this uh this. This uh, th- these uh, few words that Chris Rock said in one of his stand-ups, he said, "It's some professions where you don't get to do anything but be perfect. The pilot can't make a mistake. You know what I'm saying? Po- police officers are not afforded the opportunity to make a mistake in taking somebody's life without having an answer for it." You're, you're, you're absolutely right, um, and, and, I, and I totally agree. But the, and, and, and to stay on topic, man, like I said, um, again, a lot of factors going into this is, you know, who showed up first, who relayed this information, you know, and then, and then when you got protective, detectives and then patrol guys showing up to the same kind of call, it kind of makes for a little bit of chaos because detectives are going to show up in plain clothes usually. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And what happens is, and there's, and there's literally courses based around responding to calls in plain clothes. Because a lot of times, like this, and whether it been he was mistaken or the guys who fired the weapons just could shoot, um, officers get hit. So they're responding to a call in plain clothes, not able to be identified or, you know, immediately. And all an officer sees when he gets there is, hey, a man with a gun. And, hey, that's a man with a gun, right? Yep. So <laughs> he ends up getting shot, unfortunately, and he's, you know, a good guy. And, and, and that happens. Um, and a lot of that does because, you know, either they're not they're working on separate comms where he's working on a different channel or they're unable, they're unable to communicate or he doesn't have comms with them when he responded. So now he's there kind of in the wind trying to do the right thing and gets misidentified. So And understand that, I'm sorry, let me go back to the ROE thing where in theater where they say, hey, you can't fire unless fired upon, that, that doesn't apply here, okay? I don't, like, I don't have to wait somebody to put hands on me in order to to do a preemptive strike right yeah so if i can read if i can articulate your body language knowing that this dude's probably about to swing on me or you're you're going to do some type of forward act, aggressive action to me i don't have to wait for you to do it to go ahead and push you on your ass you right. know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so i don't have to wait or the threat himself 
to fire that weapon at me. And if he's making that motion where he's going to point it at me or he's going to walk off to a crowded area, that is, I am justifiable in, in going ahead and using deadly force because you are now a threat to myself or to the general public. So I want to make sure I clarify this too. I understand the nature of what they responded to. You can't assume that the police are going to show up with flowers in that type of situation. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. So what you identified were some other, you know, variables that, that aren't necessarily uh, discussed between like comms, which is my main thing. It's like, we got to this point because of a lack of communication and a lack of being able to identify. And then you identify time constraints as a variable based on the threat itself. And, um, you know, and there's a lot of unknowns, you know, and the situation's still fresh. And it's going to be interesting to see what information they omit from, from the public view and what, what they want to center the narrative around. Um, they still gonna charge the dude with was with, with uh with the death of the cop though. It ain't no ifs, ands, and buts about that. Uh and but it, I, I'm just trying to find out like how does something like this go so bad with with uh, it, you know like when you got firearms, you're thinking about like how do we not shoot our own guys? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I, I don't. Yeah, man. I, and, 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 the first thing, the first thing is let's at a minimum, let's not kill our own people. At a right. minimum, let's at least go home with five people. Yeah, if we came with five. Right, man. And, and I'm telling you, man. I, and I'm telling you right now, man. I I showed up scenes where guns are drawn, man, and I see dudes all, for lack of a better word, fucked off. Mm -hmm. You know, and you kind of got to grab them by the collar and be like, hey. You know, get, get your stuff together, do this and do that. Because a lot of these guys are lacking in that area when it comes to tactics and, 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 and firearms. It's just true, man. It's across the country. It's across the country how much uh, officers are lacking in, in firearms training and tactics training. Um, it really is. Um, and I will say, um, and I can't speak for every other state. I don't know about New York and how they do. I will say Texas is usually pretty progressive about that. Um, I work for an agency where, you know, we, you know, we're offered a lot of training. Like, when you get there, initially, when you get there, you go through two weeks of weapons training. Mm -hmm. um, your whole, it's a, it's a whole month, it's called, in, it's like an induction type of deal. It's like, hey, this is how we do things here. This is how we work. And, you know, they want to make sure that you're good to go on, on, on your weapon systems. And understand that a, quali a, a yearly, which, which is usually what departments do with like a yearly qualification, um, like the Army, yeah. that ain't nothing. You know what I'm saying? That's just a, that's it. It's just a check the block. You got to go shoot on your own. You, you got to go shoot on your own. It's like PT, right? What you do in the morning is, is that the same. It's called what you do on yourself is what you're going to get your improvement. Correct. Yes. You know what I mean? And you, and you got to be willing to take that time to do it. Um, again, this situation, man, just seems kind of like a cluster. It's like, you know, <laughs> like I said, without really yeah. diving into it, because I just kind of saw it last night, is they got a call. You know, multiple officers responded. This officer was probably in plain clothes. Uh, but again, you know, were they were they in the store, or how was the store laid out? What was their positioning? You know, and that's something you got to be cognizant of is that hey, when guns are drawn, you know, who's to my left and my right? Mm -hmm. You know, when you're working, yes. you know, it's not it's not it's not like being on a firing range where you know you got downrange, all bullets go that direction. You know, yeah. you're working in a 540 environment, up, down, left, right. You got to be cognizant of everything that's going on. You got to know where your bullets are landing once they hit that target because they might go past them. 
Because you got to you know, see what, what, what you're what, shooting at. That's what I started off at. Right, right. Yes, yes, yes. 100%, <laughs> man. But I, I'm going to tell you right now, man, I, and, I, and I've seen guys do this, man. They're, not, they're, they're, they're 10 yards from their target, and they will miss shots. That happens. Now, man, that's, that's crazy. Range, right? Now, mm-hmm. put, put the environmental factors into it where everybody's yelling, where it's your adrenaline, cortisol, and all these other hormones are pumping through your body, right? Your, you know, your uh, visual acuity is now kind of off because you got tunnel vision. Um, you think that maybe you fired two, but you really fired twelve. Um, that stuff happens. <laughs> that stuff happens. <laughs> and anybody that's been, right now, anybody that's been, anybody that's been in combat. I mean, we got twenty years of combat veterans floating around in the U.S. Yeah. Anybody who's ever been, who's ever fired their weapon in in a conflict situation, can tell you right now that there's a lot of things that either you don't remember or things that that you thought you did or you thought happened that didn't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I get it. And I understand. And so when you say, and again, I, and I don't know how many cops were there when shots, when shots started getting fired, but if you've got seven officers and your standard duty-sized weapon carries 17 rounds, 17 rounds per magazine, right? We'll go with like a, like a Glock 17. You know, Glock 17 carries 17 rounds in that magazine. Right. When you say 42 rounds, between seven officers, that's really not a whole lot. That just tells me everybody at least fired at least five rounds. Yeah, yeah, you know I, I agree with that. I, so, I, yeah, yeah, and 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 at eleven seconds, that's not that's not a whole lot. I but, can I can tell you right now, I I, I can fire you know quite quite quickly in, in eleven seconds. I, I I've seen it. So, I know better. Uh, what I'm saying is is that. Uh, is like you like you said in your pre-planning before you uh you know what I'm saying approach the objective you got people identified for lethal and non-lethal correct correct and in the absence of communication chaos exists correct in this situation absolutely so situation. so i think what we what i'm trying to get at is that um the cops set themselves up for failure by not establishing control. Because some people said, man, it's the perp's fault. I said, wait a minute. Perp's gonna perp. Okay? That's just... Perp's gonna perp. Perp gonna perp, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? So, like, you just gotta find out the best... Like, you can't get... Like, if you work in retail or customer service, and one of your customers has a bad day, that's just what comes with uh, retail and customer service. Do we agree with that, Right? In in the line of work as a cop or a law enforcement professional, whatever terminology we want to use, a crackhead is going to crackhead. Uh, a perp is going to perp. So, like, so the circumstances the circumstances are different, but we can't just get ultimately caught up in the perp actually perping, right? We got to look at the person that's charged with a little bit more responsibility in a uniform capacity to conduct their duties in a way that doesn't endanger innocent lives, correct? 100% right. All right. The safety of the public is always number one. It doesn't always come out that way, but yeah, but that's the intent. I understand what you're saying. Well, okay, it should be, should be. Yeah, it should be. Right. Yeah. That that's a decent ideal and principle to operate off of is a baseline metric. I'm with you on that. So, but man, uh, I don't know if we could talk about this topic enough. You know what I'm saying? I think we kind of already have. But since you're already hanging out, you want to hang around for the uh, for the next couple topics? Yeah, 
Wait, what, what you got up next? I'm, let me let me flip the slide and see what we got. You know, uh, <laughs> okay. The next one we got up right here is uh, it'll it'll be up in a second. Lawmakers are proposing a massive overhaul to the student debt system. Borrowers' monthly loan bills will be automatically deducted from their paychecks, and the plan quickly drew criticism from consumer advocates who called it a mandatory wage garnishment. So, basically, out of here. <laughs> <I'm not playing. laughs> what? That's exactly what it is. Mandatory wage raping. Bruh. Like no, get, this, get that shit out of here. They're making you. The fuck out of here. They're making you. Are you serious? <laughs> Hey, it's just, it's a proposal. I'm fully planning to go to my grave with those fucking loans, man. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking strategy, up, man. Hey, hey, big fuck out of here. This is the first time uh, me hearing about that. But this is what we're doing. Hey, I'm, I'm gonna hop off, man. Um, when this, if more of this stuff unfolds, or we got more like law enforcement related topics, man. Again, we talked this before. I'm, I'm gonna show up there. And uh, we'll do it together, man. Um, but th- thanks for uh, ringing me in, bro. I just wanted to speak on some things. And if anybody else got questions, please feel free to hit me up. Hey, we got to catch up tomorrow anyway, man. Uh, tomorrow, Thursday, you know? Oh, yeah. You... Yeah, I got I to gotta talk to you. Make sure you, uh, make sure you call me. I got some things coming up I got I to handle. So call me uh, later on or tomorrow. All right, bro. All right, bro. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that was a good chat right there, man. Hell yeah. Man, like I, I, I like the fact it's that. It's good to get both sides, man. You gotta get both sides. Yeah. You'll never get that side. Folks don't want to hear it, but that don't mean that 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 it's not it, it's not relevant. You know what I'm saying? Just because you don't want to hear it. So. Um, and what well, the most say they don't give a fuck about what the cops talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. So so let's uh man let's this student loan thing man oh man it's like. I'm glad. I'm glad I handled my, my, my business when I did, you know, and I chose the routes that I chose. So I'm not, you know, like, I'm not walking around with a rain cloud of student loan debt over my head. And uh, I chose the path that I chose. And, you know, we've had regular conversations about entrepreneur entrepreneurship versus, you know, going to college. And I've always said go to college with a purpose to uh, uh, do something that requires a, a, a certain sophistication in, in education, right? Um, and you got to make the debt count. You got to make the debt count. Man, look, make the debt count because the debt going to be there, right? Um, they counting it. Yeah. <laughs> they counting and rinsing. You know what I'm saying? So, like... Right, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So what? I've 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 always looked at um like colleges and universities as money cleaning institutions for rich people. You know, like you can hide your money in these institutions like a church, you know. Um yep. and so when you get these big donations for scholarships and stuff like that, it looks like uh something that's based on nobility, but this is about tax uh um this is about tax sheltering, pretty much. So, when you look at how these institutions function, they 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 like banks to a degree, you know, and because they have regular uh, uh, dealings with one another, you know, on, on how to shuffle money back and forth, different types of uh, trust that they can put it in. Um, they even pay college football coaches out of the revenue that's already sheltered 
by the university. You know what I'm saying? In most cases. That's why these motherfuckers make so much. That's why they make so much money. So, going back to when we've had the discussion before where it was kind of a, a touchy topic for some people in terms of opting for college or not, and some people running off to college to kind of hide in it or whatever, can you imagine if you had gone to school, got an exorbitant amount of debt, and weren't working in your field, and then were, were no longer able to defer, and your salary started getting garnished, like some hidden child I'd support. I'd have to start selling crack. <laughs> and he'd take it right know, back to like, the block. Hey, because you can't do that, man. Like, I'm basically working for you at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'd be damned if I'm going to have two masters. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah, you go ahead. Go have one. Like, no, that's like, that's, you, you can't, like, whose idea was that? Mm-hmm. You, you cannot do that to people, man. Like, that was the whole, you, you have a whole system built. Like, I had one of my student loans, man. Well, I was so poor, my payment was $0 a month. Like, that was the payment. Damn. Like Based that's... on my income. Okay. Based <laughs> on my income. Like, all I had to do was just show up. I basically got that, just fulfilling out the paperwork. Whew. That ended up being like $12,000 $12, on my loan. I'm Damn. still $120K in the red, but yeah. 12000 was just that easy. Man, just I... based on how much money I was making. That's right. a whole, that's so a whole mortgage. Out there to help you. Bro, that's a whole that's a whole mortgage. That's a house. What if I graduate what if I graduated high school and somebody gave me $120,000? Man, who knows? You know like what what would have worked out for you? Because that's what I because that's what you get. You graduate high school, you go to college, you graduate and then you got $150,000 in debt. Right? Just for learning some shit. Like you read some books, took some tests. Motherfuckers was grading you with your money. And then saying that you wasn't shit. You ain't good enough with your money. <laughs> like, what you talking about? Man? Right. Yeah. When you're you not good enough with your own money. Right. And when you start looking at so, the. But what are we giving some of these creative ass people, man? Some people that's 120k. Yeah, the right creative people, because uh, of course everybody go to everybody that goes to school still isn't automatically good with money. Um, right. I think that's a given, you know. Well, um, not even if you give me the money, let me use it the same way I use it for school. Okay. Yeah, you're right. The same the same way I go. Okay, I want to open a ice cream place, right? Mm -hmm. So. Every semester, let me get seven, eight grand, and let me go buy some ice cream shit. Right. And then at the end of my my allotted time of money, either my business is making it or it's not. Either way, I got to pay the debt back. Same way with college. Mm -hmm. Either I make the grades and pass. Either way, I, the debt's still there, whether I graduate or not. It should be the same way if I want to open the business. Mm -hmm. I should be able to pick my debt is what I'm saying. I understand. I, I feel you on that because I, I feel like... I don't know how. Well, I, I try to base my opinions on um, on how people are educated in other countries, right? So in Dubai, they got this place called Education City, and it means exactly what it sounds like. The, Dubai is 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 uh, organized in a way where, like, if you working 
communications. Like, let's say if you worked at BBC, which would be their CNN, the global version of it, they have this place called Media City. So every major media outlet is there, AP, Reuters, uh, uh, BBC, International CNN, all of that stuff. It's all in one area. When Education City, it's the same thing. You have multiple universities depending on whatever it is your study is, right? And one of the things that I have seen people in Dubai pride themselves on is that they believe in educating their next engineers from within. And they go to school for free. Now, granted, they are probably subsidized by multiple countries, whoever they embed with financially through treaties and, and other uh, you know, in, uh, international relationships. But nonetheless, you can go to school in Dubai without spending any money because they believe that education uh, uh, educating their, their local populace produces the next uh, the next uh, uh, multi-millionaires that are going to go and, and help push their country forward. The U.S., right. which operates on a fractional debt-based economy, starts off at debt. We, we grade each other on how well we can pay bills. You know what I'm saying? Like... I've seen situations where, like, I had a credit score of, like, 750, right? And I had money in the bank, and I got denied for a loan on a property because they were saying, and I had money for reserves for each unit for six months apiece. So I had about $38,000 at my disposal, you know, to substantiate why I could buy this additional property. Do you know I got denied for that loan because it said you have $54,000 in disposable revolving debt. I had credit cards that I wasn't even using. They said you could blow $50,000 at any time, but you know what I'm saying? But they said it still wasn't enough. So I had the cash and the credit score and they still denied my loan. <laughs> so I don't understand sometimes, you know, uh, this was like in 2012. I couldn't understand what was the formula, you know what I'm saying? But the thing is though, they will gladly give you something if your credit score is below a certain level and you walking around with a certain amount of revolving debt, which doesn't make any sense, and then give you a whole mortgage. Mm -hmm. So they're making money off your debt. So that's and which goes back to my larger point. See, in America, you can hurry up and get in school because they, they don't have no problem with putting you in debt, you know. And no matter how the debt looks, mm -hmm. so it, I, like there's a certain level of uh, metrics and economic uh, uh, leverage that they're not comfortable with certain people having that. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying it per se. I'm just saying there's an algorithm out there where I believe that there's an algorithm where they look at some things and they're like, nah, not that guy. You know? Right. Yeah, like, no, 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 we're going to pass over him. Yeah. Like, maybe there's certain areas they have to pull from. Oh, yeah, that's true. Like, mm -hmm. like yeah, like certain quotas, like, we have to have so many of these people in this in this bracket get a loan this year. So many people, like, do it like this so they can make it seem like the money's being easily dispersed, not funded through their homes. Well, I, and I've said this before. I got a friend, friend of mine that worked at uh, Bank of America at the corporate level in the marketing division. And he knows that they do predatory lending based on zip codes. That's why, like, if you live on one side of town where it's pretty affluent, you're not going to get all those stupid credit card offers for $1,800 and 23% uh, percent interest. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But if you're somewhere in close proximity to a college like Alabama State, 
you probably going to get, you know, uh, some offers for those types of credit card offers. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting, man. And then, and then the minute I get a, a mortgage where the property is $147,000, my credit score shoots up 60 points. And I don't understand that. <laughs> <laughs> You, you know, like, like, what is the formula for that shit? Yeah, like, I think, <laughs> but the thing is, though, we're, we're so confused by so many different things uh, versus people with actual firsthand experience who still don't know how to understand it. Like, people like me, you know, um, I got a great grasp of it, but I feel like the metrics of it changes so quickly, you know what I'm saying? Because it's, it's, it has to run in line with the market, you know? Like uh, this year, we're not giving no no loans to people with a credit score around this, you know, area. And even we do give loans, this this is the cap. You know what I'm saying? And then, me, and meanwhile, you start seeing all of these debt consolidation loan advertisements and stuff like that. So then that's that market that gets ran out. And then you go run uh, through that gamut, and then they hit you with some other crazy ass interest um, uh, rates in order to get you to see. <laughs> Consolidating your loans being very attractive and lucrative with them, um, but if you don't right. have like, but, yeah, so they can get a piece of your interest. Correct. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. They always want some kind of leverage. I understand how the banks and stuff like that work, man. But like, what I'm saying is, is that I see college like that today. Yeah, the education part is cool, especially if you're doing something very specific and very specialized. If you're gonna be a micro uh, uh, biological engineer. You need to find a school that that reflects that curriculum and puts people in positions to actually do that that type of work. But if you just want to go be, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, a professional librarian, you probably don't need to go to college for that. You probably need to. I, I don't. I don't think that that's uh, uh, your life. I'm not saying that. I don't even know if there's a degree for that. You know, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure there is. Yeah, I'm sure I'm there sure is. There it is. has to be right. Like some level of historian I, I don't know why or something there's like that. A degree. That teaches you how to babysit books, but I'm sure there is. Yeah, uh, but like if if you go get a, a a specialized degree and then you come out as a professional basket weaver, and it doesn't teach you how to be an entrepreneur, you you made some some errors. You know what I'm saying? So like, I don't know how that uh, I don't know. I think the only thing that that can start a path to recognizing whether or not college is useful goes back to one of our previous uh, live sessions when I said. First, we have to determine if what you want to do is something that's going to be long term. You know what I'm saying? Because if you get in and perform the task, and then you you like you get your feel of it, now you left unfulfilled, and now you got to start over, and now you're 40. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, my man, my man Chad, uh, Chad said it's called Library Sciences. He said that's a whole doctorate and curriculum for it. See? See? <sighs> yeah. The Dewey Decimal System on steroids, pretty much. Fam, if you ever say, don't ever say Dewey Decimal System. But that's what it was, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I... <laughs> no. Oh, it man. Have been. Yeah, like... I mean, it, it's, it's wild, you know? But I, I do... But, like, uh, there, there's this, um, a quick YouTube video um, that everybody probably should look at. It's called Fractional Debt-Based Economy. And that's how um, that's how our economy functions, and it puts people like these lawmakers in positions to 
leverage the the principles of fractional debt. Um, so right. I'm gonna move on to the next topic, man. It's making me salty. I don't, and I'm gonna say I don't think the thing will get passed. All things point to it not getting passed, but we've seen stranger things happen that weren't supposed man, that's to. Bullshit. <laughs> you know, the first one, to, the first one to sign that petition when that shit. When they get ready to try to turn that shit down, whoever got the petition paper, man, I break the clipboard on that. That's bullshit. Man. So, uh, my man Nate, who's a professor, says, I tell my students that they need to make sure they are learning skills that they can carry with them regardless of the degree. My students are there for game design, but I am teaching them to be programmers because game designers don't make shit unless you're a lead producer. Uh, I'm man. Look, I'm I'm fortunate to have some of the guys that I know that I can pick up a phone and call. So he makes video games. Yes. Oh, well, he teaches people how to make video games. He, he does both. He's done them all. You know. Well, and, I'm sure he had to. He had to make the video games to be able to teach it at some point. Yeah, and, and 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 I don't want to. I don't want to make light of the fact that this man is a professor, man. And and um, you know. No, because he's teaching people how to make video games. And he's black. You that's know what not, I'm saying? Look, we got black that's professors what I'm over saying. here. That's crazy. So we got some extraordinary people, man, with different views on what it takes to uh, be invested in the fabric of whatever it takes to make us better. But that goes back to the next point, man. It's a very good segue. We're gonna talk about some sports, but right, what we're gonna talk about is betting on yourself, because that's what we're talking about, right? <laughs> Overall, that's the whole theme of the night. Bet on yourself. Yep. And the topic of that, uh, uh, betting on yourself, uh, revolves around running back Le'Veon Bell. Well, what that is in the background, man? Chill out. See, see that? See that should be a rank, a, a round of applause button right there. <laughs> yeah, that's what it should be. I, I wish. I got to get right. some more sound effects, but uh, Le'Veon Bell bet on himself, and. And it's probably going to pay off. Like, this deal hasn't happened yet, and some people were predicting it back in November. Um, especially after he chose to sit out. But, like, looking at it, he made the right decision for for for, for work relations. You know, I know it's just How football. How did anybody not see it was the right decision? Anybody else did a Pittsburgh Steelers game? Well, I think the generation that's 10 to 15 years older than us doesn't see the logic in it. All they see is it was 14 million left out there, you know. Uh, Man, there's none if I'm the highest paid running back in the league. Yeah. So it's a wash if if uh, if he comes back and doubles that. Hey, that you talking about making money back? That ain't what it is. That's about me taking a year to get to where I want to get to. Mm-hmm. Cause what? Damn the fourteen million. Yeah, cause nothing I changes. Where I want to be with mm-hmm. the money I want, right? Nothing changes. Yep. And then him. I can get that year of football back. I can get that back. Yeah. But but I think his. Uh, I didn't get hit at all last year. I think his deliberate absence exposed a lot of stuff that's going to benefit him down the line. It exposed that team too. Yeah, first and foremost, it exposed the team. Um, I think that kind of goes without saying. But, like, the larger point of it is Those that... Those don't like each other. No, they don't. But but I think the larger point of what we're talking about is that 
we need to get into being able to bet on ourselves with whatever type of uh, opportunities that we can either create or opportunities that are presented to us. Um, in this situation, Le'Veon worked himself into the league and became one of the top backs, right? Um, right, because he wasn't a high draft pick. No, at all. People didn't see him being as effective as he has. I remember when he was at Michigan State 240 and jumping over people. When he dropped down to two, yep. 220-something, it looked significantly different. And I said, I said, this dude prepared to play, man. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, big running backs are done, and they don't really exist anymore. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, you just got to be an efficient back, and you got to be able to get small and in, in, in cramped spaces. Um, and his footwork is impeccable. And so he has all the mechanics that will allow him to play for a long time. He's already had a major injury and been repaired, you know what I'm saying, from it. So he's probably stronger. Uh, I think he he tore up his Achilles, you know what I'm saying, a few years ago, didn't he? So. No, I don't think it was his Achilles. It no, it, ACL. it was ACL. ACL. Is it Achilles? I think it was ACL. So I, I know it was a significant injury that – most running backs take a while to get back from, and he was able to do that. And nowadays, you know, these these were uh, repair, these type of surgeries that they do, they make these guys strong. You know what I'm saying? They they come back superhuman. Right. Yeah, man. So they put that violin piece in there, man. Yeah. Um. So this, I know this this is pretty much your topic because we didn't. You know, we, we've we've uh, spoken about it in, in before, but what's the issue with the generational gap with understanding why Le'Veon Bell did what he was supposed to do? You would think... Because uh, the they can't old... see past some money that somebody giving them. That's all they see. It's here you go, go sit over there in the corner and tap bands. He go to, he go to $14 million. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's bigger than that. Like, sometimes you got to be able to see past... Fourteen million dollars. That man didn't feel like he was being respected, and for him, his respect was worth fourteen million dollars. So he went and got his respect, and it sounds like the fourteen million dollars is coming with. Like, like for some reason they can't get that. All money is like money is money to them. Like there's no scenario where you leave the money on the table. Ah, I see what you're saying. Like so. <laughs> you either gonna be Steve Harvey or you gonna be Monique in this situation. You know what I'm saying? Like, right? That's what I'm saying. There's no, there's no scenario for them that ends up you walking away from that money on the table. And I just don't, I don't subscribe to that. You, you can go. You don't have to take that money. Mm-hmm. If you don't work yourself into a position where you're in demand, he didn't draft Pittsburgh. They drafted him. <laughs> Hey, if you could have said that in a so, Malcolm X voice, that would have been great for Black History Month. Right, so, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> they they want you. You don't necessarily, you just want to play football. Right. No matter where I play it. Mm-hmm. And who's, you know what I'm saying? And, and you see what happened to the locker room. Who's, this, you know what I'm saying? He know that too. He know this locker room is trash. And you know, I think it's a personal insult when you franchise a running back two years in a row yeah, it's it's showing that we own you. That's that's pretty much what is communi- what is communicating. Yeah, that's exactly what he's saying. So I'm supposed to sit here and keep taking these one offs when I can get my knee blown out on any play because I got the ball in my hands as much as a wide receiver and a running back. Right. 
Because some people like to bring up touches. Well, wasn't nobody getting more touches than that cat was getting. Nope. And you can't deny the fact so that. So if I'm out here being right, if I'm the starting running back and the starting slot receiver, then I'm going to need more than this 14 and a half. And this franchise shit got to stop. Yep. Or mm-hmm. I'm going to take the power in my own hands. And that's how I run with that James Conner boy. For the first four weeks, they all kept telling me who was better than every other. They don't need him. I see how I ain't saying make the fucking playoffs without right. living your build. Yeah. So don't tell me about no fucking James Conner <laughs> and no Big Ben <laughs> and all that other bullshit. And the best fucking player in your on your team is out is Ryan Jenkins in Miami. Yeah. He ain't going to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And week t- and week eight, that shit sounded great. Yeah. Yeah, it sure did. Cause it was like James Conner, this James Conner that. By week twelve, you wanted to fire your coach. Yeah. <laughs> And and, and Sherman hit so a no, he, no, 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 no. Sherman hit a good note. He oh, said yeah. the fans don't seem to understand that fourteen million isn't guaranteed against injury. Once you're injured, come on, now. you have to fight for an injury settlement, and your financial future's in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. This ain't basketball, man. And this James Conner finished the season baby. injured. Yes, and he won you like a third or fourth round pick. Something like that. So, of course, they're going to pump him up because they don't got to pay him neither. Yep, and now he hurt. So, they want you to think he's better. Right. he got him for a discount. Mm-hmm. Great value don't mean he's better, fam. So, when do you think is the best time to bet on yourself? The first chance you get. Hey, man, look, I operate on this principle, right? Uh, take your time off and your money up front. And and okay. I And I got that from being in the Army. Like, you know how, like, when you wind up staying over or doing a good deed and somebody said, man, we're going to comp your time? And then you're like, all right, cool. So you already planning that time off down the line. And then something comes up like, yeah, you remember when I said I was going to comp your time? So, about that. Not this time. Not this time. We're going to hold on to it. Then the leadership change, and then don't nobody remember the time that you were supposed to get back, right? And you trash. Yeah, you trash. Yeah, you know, you 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 can't even go bring it up to nobody because the person that comes in is like, I don't what? care what. Yeah, what they got to do with me, you know. So, I've since um, adopted the principle of take your time off and your money up front. Everything that you earn and and, and put your name to that you take a L for. Uh, you know what I'm saying? As an investment in your uh, your future, you need to go ahead and make sure you compensate yourself. You know what I'm saying? And that's why I kind of see what Le'Veon Bell's doing because I think that after he had those, because he did have a shoulder injury too. Um, that shoulder injury in the ACL, he he understands his lifeline. You know what I'm saying? Is his time is limited for impact. And then the other variables that expedite that is the, obviously the locker room, ownership, and the team itself. So that bet on himself that exposed the Steelers, you know, uh, ineptitude and, and lack of will and that kind of their uh, player ownership, um, I think it was the perfect time to do it if he was going to do it. And gambles are, 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 are most times not popular among people. So you gotta really sit back and just be able that's to say. That's when I would start feeling good about it. If yeah. I was him, when all of that stuff started going on, that's when I would have started feeling good about my decision. Because that 
well, everybody that seems like they're against you, that's what it seems like. It's, it, most of the time, it work out in your favor. Mm-hmm. Just by the fact that people have so much negative energy against what you're doing. Yep. The, the first time you meet some resistance from people that can't change your uh, outcome, you're probably going in the right direction. Right. And I mean, that's, if you're offensive alive, like, as soon as you decided to do what you were going to do, offensive alive, probably the closest people to you on the team, mm-hmm. I would imagine, if I'm a running back, right? Right. Y'all probably are in in a lot of the same film sessions together. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, for them to be the first ones, because they're the ones you buy the Rolex for when you, when you break a restaurant record or something. Right. So, for them to be the first guys talking shit about you, when you're trying to get paid, and that's my first thing. Like, everybody should understand that he was trying to get paid, right? Mm-hmm. So, you got to know how to separate. And I understand they want to win, too. But your time going to come up, and you're going to want your wallet right. Yeah. And you're going to need so somebody to cake for you, you, too. Yeah. And you, we don't remember how you felt about him trying to get his wallet right. Mm-hmm. Because it, it, it's all interchangeable. Because if he gets his money, then your money got to be coming, too. Because if he go ball, that means you help, right? You gonna get paid by default, especially if you're a center or left tackle. Correct. You automatically gonna get paid by default. And mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, one of them don't 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 Pittsburgh have both of the Pouncey boys on the same team? Yeah, I, I think one of them went to Miami so, later, but at one point they did have both of them. They were both on the same team, but I know one one of the Pouncey boys is still on Pittsburgh team. He's on the main one talking shit, right? Mm-hmm. About Le'Veon getting his money, but at the same time, you. Was out here caping up for Aaron Hernandez. Yeah, man, look, Sherm. So hit I need you. I need you just to fuck up. Yeah, cause uh, Sherm hit, hit hit him uh, across the head again. He said, "No white QBs ever get backlash for betting on themselves." Cousins banked okay. eighty million guaranteed betting on himself, and Cousins was trash. Cousins is is trash. man. Look, trash will be an improvement. Me and Oprah. Yeah, not even mediocre. Meat and okra. Meat and okra. <laughs> Come on, man. Oh, man. He bet on himself. He took. He kept letting them franchise, franchise, franchise. And when he got paid, mm-hmm. then didn't he make the damn playoffs. Yeah, he ain't did nothing but like, that's what I'm saying. take people out the hunt everywhere he's gone. That's everywhere he goes. But they don't ever, they, they don't mess with the white quarterback about betting on himself, asking for more money, holding out. Look at that shit, Brad Fowler's putting Green Bay ass through every year. Yeah. Ain't nobody say nothing about that shit. They were just talking about he earned the right to do that. He had them motherfuckers sizes every offseason. Yeah. Ain't nobody care. But as soon as nigga tried to get his bread up, nah, fam, we ain't with that. Mm-hmm. Good disgrace. <laughs> they even got the black dudes on the team talking about. Like, this is what we're talking about right here. Mm-hmm. And you take your ass right on out there and bash the man. And he's just trying to get what you need. Can't tell, tell me he earned it. Yep. Man, but he outplayed whatever contract that he saved you the money on the front end. Somebody get your money up front. Yep, he already. Yeah, that's what I'm he saying. He saved the organization money on the front end by being a second or third round pick. Right. Whatever he was, I know he didn't go in the first round. No, he won the first round pick. So I saved you money by being a second round pick and performing as the best running back in the league for the first three years. Of so I saved you money right there. Yep. That gave you money to pay being and AB. So when I'm Matter of fact, you protected Ben. See, a good running back protects okay. a quarterback. Okay. But he the only one y'all paying. Mm-hmm. 
Go back and look at all the wide receivers Pittsburgh had. Mm. Hines Ward. How back? How far back we want to go? No, I'm talking about just before with Anthony Brown before he Antonio okay. Brown before he was the number one guy. They had Mike Wallace. Yep. Emmanuel Sanders. Yep. And AB. All the new cats was on the same team. Mm-hmm. AB was like the fourth option on the team. Yep. But they didn't want to pay either one of them. They didn't pay Wallace. They didn't pay Sanders. So both of them ended up leaving. Yep. That was that was Mike Wallace's uh, biggest gripe. Is that he felt like he deserved? And he wasn't getting paid. Yeah, he wasn't gonna get paid. Yeah. And now AB got the same gripe, but that was all his fault. Le'Veon got the same gripe. Pittsburgh has a history of just not paying motherfuckers. Yep. They're like Birdman out here. <laughs> yeah. They're not paying nobody. They use you up for all your talent. They buy you a Porsche or something, but they ain't giving you no money. Mm-hmm. They let you run the checkup. So they don't even let you run the checkup there though. No. Okay, so he took his leverage. Yeah. And walked out. And I hope he goes somewhere and slay Pittsburgh ass next year. For the coach. Right now he's slotted. Look look like uh people believe he's gonna wind up going to uh to the Texans and I think that's a great fit if it happens. Any place I don't know why to... Kansas City didn't call him. They must not be in the in the in the spending no money right now. I I don't think so. Well, I maybe think they don't got the cap space for it. Yeah, I, I think I just thought that was a logical fit. Well, you know, when they had Kareem Hunt, they was already stealing anyway. So, um, <laughs> All right. so that they know they can go find another one like that. Oh, and hey, man, Sherman hit him with another. He said, she, he said they didn't pay San Antonio Holmes or either Plaxico either. Him either, right? <laughs> well, everybody had to That's what I'm saying. They're not paying nobody. Yeah. Not the, not the black guys anyway. Did they pay Antoine Randall L? You know I mean? And he was playing quarterback too. Yep. That's what I'm saying. Like they don't take care of. They don't. They really take care of. They take care of the coach because he allowed to have a lot of losing seasons and keep his job secure straight. And they paying the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Other than that, who getting the bread? They pay AB one wide receiver out of ten that they had. Yeah. And then now, so, the, and now they, they don't even have him no more. AB. And they don't, yeah, they don't even have him anymore. Now we'll see how happy Juju has been in two years when he trying to get back. Yep. Cause he's so fucking happy all the time. We'll see how happy his ass is when they franchise him. <laughs> the the salt will be plentiful. Because yeah, right. Because by the time his his numbers come up, he's gonna be on the trash team anyway. Cause being on his way out the door. Yep. That's true. He ain't gonna be there forever. No, he, he got a he got two three years top. Oh, hey, my uh, my boy Nate said that's why Randall L left for Washington because they wouldn't pay him. Cause they wouldn't pay him. That's what I'm saying. Like, we need to start looking at this. Like, who this bird paying out here? Yeah, you're right. But uh, and they fans don't even seem to be paying attention to it. Man, let let, let me come up with another uh, interesting segue. I've been pretty good at this. So hang on, let's see what the next topic is. Ooh, this ain't gonna be happy. So, <laughs> you know, everything we've been talking about has been about creating ex- exit strategies by betting on yourself, and and making sure you don't just do anything for the money. You know, and I didn't put his face up there yet, but because I I kind of don't want to talk about him, but it's necessary. A lot of people are upset at Floyd Mayweather, right? And. 
in his in uh, uh, his uh, uh, you know affinity for you know exacerbating and trolling you know on social media you know he will tell right. you quick that he's not rich he's wealthy he does what he wants to do you know and he won't be influenced by anything you know what I'm saying uh, not just because there's black people involved or anything like that so the, you saw the video with him going in the Gucci store and then you know talking this shit mm-hmm. like you normally do right now right Gucci really just exploited Black History Month because for marketing purposes so yeah they took off yeah well yeah you know like that was it was very strategic that they knew that they could bring that up you know what I'm saying uh it's blackface it's Black History Month it's branding it's you know popular it's it's a shallow conversation that's ongoing you know what I'm saying Never ending, never gonna go anywhere. But I would argue that black people have been putting blackface on Jesus long before Gucci used it as marketing. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, right. And for the same reasons that people have gravitated towards clothing, we have black people have painted uh, the face of Jesus with something that we can try to connect with because we need to make it uh, uh, in the same realm of our own social disparity to say this is what we need to make us feel better. Now, the the thought of that is one thing, the imagery of it is something else, you know? Um, and so with people getting up in arms and focusing their energy on what Floyd Mayweather has said, and the things he's done some people even called him a sellout i was like i'd be the first one to tell you i said if they're not invested how can they be sellouts brian's gonna say he never bought in yeah so So he no sellout so i don't really like focusing on what we do with uh negative energy and 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 how we want to count his money you know that's not our place to do that he has that much uh, by the way, e- e- I don't either, think that boy got as much money as he thinks, as he says he does. Either way, I'm not there to try to count it. You know what I'm saying? Because if if that's the case, right. it'll happen. You know. That's um, a weird, that's a weird guy. <laughs> he don't represent us. He don't represent nothing. I care about nothing. I care about right. You know what he does in the ring? That's isolated. That's an isolated conversation. You know what I'm saying? The record speaks for it. I don't, I don't really care about that. But when it comes down to nope. using entertainers and athletes to assign social equity and value to certain things that people want us to make important, you know, it gets kind of dangerous at that point, you know. So those are the real distractions to me in, in, in terms of, like, social equity and stuff like that. But at the same time, if you can be infuriated by him when he's demonstrated and shown you what he was about long before this particular moment in time, but yet the application of what your belief system is rooted in has some of the same principles, you know, based on your own, uh, uh, you know, desire to be connected to something that'll give you an excuse to, to, to not go all the way. That's the same thing that you're doing on some of the the things like I got right now. I don't know if you can see it, but I got 
uh, a blackface Jesus up right now, you know, um, and then the imagery of it is not. It's not going to be happy with some folks. I understand some people say that they'll disagree or whatever, but that's just my opinion on it. You know, uh, Floyd don't owe nobody nothing. You know what I'm saying? And yet, and still, we make demands from. Uh, when I say we, I'm saying us collectively are making demands of people uh, of, of things that we don't have control, access, or influence on to do the same stuff for us. You know? Why do we care? Why, why do we like him so much? I don't know. I, I, I think I think it's imagery. First and foremost, it's a desire to have that one person like Elise was talking about uh, that, that's successful and we want to put all of us behind that one person. But the minute that they do one fickle thing, they throw everybody away anyway, right? So, because right. we, we're living in a time of cancellation culture, but we're not canceling the right shit. So, I, I, I'm I'm always trying to figure figure that part out. You know, that's just when we when when you and I are speaking candidly with each other. You know what I'm saying about these topics. Hey, hey man, tell him tell him to chill out, bro. Tell him to chill. <laughs> Yo, we might have lost Drew for a second. So, Kev, you think it's just uh, the flashiness? Or it it can't just be that. Like, why are some people so in honor with him? Right, I don't I don't get it. Like what what does he do besides dodge punches well? He fights yeah. once a year, twice a year, right? Right. And I, I won't even call it fighting, I just say he dodges punches well. Yeah. Cause that's all I ever see him do. I never see him hit anybody. But other than him dodging a lot of punches. What? Why do people like him so much? Yeah. Because it's a lot of black dudes with a lot of money that do flashy shit on Instagram, and shit, right? Man, look. But how old is Floyd? He's got to be in his late forties, right? Mid forties, somewhere in there. I think Floyd. How old is I think he about forty-five or something like that. Let me look it up. Forty-five, right? Yep. So that's a 45 year old man. I saw a video of a forty-five-year-old man yesterday standing in this luxurious robe, so surrounded by money at his feet. Got into like a fucking Christmas tree, right? This yep. is what I saw yesterday. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's forty-one. And I'm then sorry. I saw another. Oh, forty-one. Damn. Okay. So then I see this video of him, TMZ or whoever caught him going into the Gucci store. Him giving a totally oblivious explanation as to why he wasn't boycotting with everybody else, which. Uh, one point I want to add on that Gucci shit is why why do we have to uh, acknowledge these motherfuckers every time they do some shit? I don't I don't, I don't even know you know because it, because at this point they just no press is bad press in our ass right now like whatever we do them niggas gonna get it popping they gonna get it shaking you know what I'm saying put a black face on some shit and watch the niggas dance yep watch them jump up and down and boycott and hashtag this shit to death. Mm-hmm. That yeah. shit don't. That shit ain't gonna never affect me because I, I don't afford. I can't afford Gucci. Right. I don't wear that shit. You know what I'm saying? And I don't go out of my way to try to wear it. Mm-hmm. But if I did, if I could afford it, that that might not be my thing anyway. Just because of the way you move. Right. That's just not my. That's just not my shit. 
Mm-hmm. But even if every, the people that do fuck with Gucci, right? Yeah. So they put the blackface shit up. Why do we feel like we got to instantly respond to that? What if we wouldn't have said nothing? Yeah, then what? Cause they, cause like the same, it'd be the same result, bro. Like, like they were like, well, we didn't get a reaction out of it, you know. And put that down. Let's yeah. go over here. And yeah. then what I did, like, what I did see was instead of people saying "fuck Gucci," they were just posting random black, black owned clothing lines. Yeah. That you could go and buy. Right. I thought that was, I thought that was dope. But why, why do we have to wait for Gucci to put a black face on some shit for you to post your homeboy clothing line? Man, look. I didn't know your homeboy sold clothes until Gucci put that shit on the on on the thing. Yeah, you talking Marcus, right? I mean anybody. Yeah, I'm just. I'm oh, just you're saying, saying in general? In okay. General. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying in general. Don't tell me about your homeboy's clothing line after Gucci offends you. I need to know <laughs> yeah. about your homeboy yeah. clothing line as soon as he has one. Right. Like we still been trying to buy Cripple Cola sweatshirts. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm right. We looking for shit like that. Already. I wasn't waiting on Gucci to do that. I'm still I still need that blood pop and I still need that cripple cola. Now like how like how, how I know that shit probably takes some time. And matter of fact, I think I'm a, I think we need to make that a say, right? Mm-hmm. We need every time we come up, let's highlight somebody we know that's got because I got a couple a couple friends that's that's making clothes and doing shit. Mm-hmm. So Let's throw them out there, put a link up, tag ass, some shit, just yeah. to show, just, no, just to, just to put it out there, just to make this a regular occurrence. Cool. Hey, I'm finna call because in. You shouldn't be, yeah, look, you finna say you finna call somebody? Yeah, I'm finna call somebody in right now, all right? All right. One of these days, we're gonna get a little bit more sophisticated, but hey, you know what? I'm, I'm rocking with it like it is. Hey, man. you there? What's up? What's up, bro? Hey, I'm going to let you and Drew talk for a second, but you go ahead and introduce yourself again. I'll be right back. Hey, what's up, bro? How you doing, man? This is Drew. Hey, what's going on, Mr. Drew? This is Sherman. How you doing, man? Hey, man. Nice to speak with you, brother. How you doing? I'm fantastic, man. Hey, look. I just wanted to speak on that on the Floyd Mayweather situation, man. We um, I think one of the things that we we asked the question that was asked was, um, it was sort of about why do we give him such a platform? Uh, that's that's what I perceive anyway. So, right, right. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big boxer. And I've been in boxing since about 1994. My dad's a okay. boxing fan. I got several brothers and brothers of a boxing fan, man. Floyd did not have as large of a platform as he does until he stopped performing as a boxer and started performing as a businessman. Right? Okay. Once he took, like, Bob Arum, I think, was his promoter, and he was like, you know what? Bob Aram is taking too much of my money and I can do the exact same thing he's doing and pay myself more and earn more by paying the other boxers that I am promoting on my car because I am the name in boxing. That's when Pretty Boy Floyd became uh, Money Mayweather and that's when the media started portraying him as a different character. 
Before that, when he was just working for the white man money, it was Pretty Boy Floyd. Pretty Boy Floyd. Pretty Boy Floyd. He was the American icon that replaced uh, uh, Golden Boy um, Oscar De La Hoya after he beat Oscar De La Hoya. Right? Okay. okay. Everything was good as long as he was making them money. The minute right. that he switched from being from being a performer, no different than the Le'Veon Bell situation. As long as okay. Le'Veon was willing to shut up, piss up a rope, pound sand, and make them money for whatever they were willing to give him, it was all good. You follow what I'm saying? The bitch that Mayweather was like, you know what? I understand the business aspect of it. I can make $300 million pocket money for a fight if I front all the money on the, on the front end promote the fight, I can pay myself three hundred million versus thirty million. Do you realize that that one fight that he paid that he um that he fought uh Pacquiao, he made more money in that one fight than Mike Tyson made his local career? He made two hundred and seventy two million and I think he made like another hundred and hundred million in the pay per view, I think. Right. Which is more money than Mike Tyson now, now we all know that the heavyweight fights always earn more than any other weight division, right? Right. So in that one fight, he made more money in that one fight than Mike Tyson made his whole career. Mayweather did not start to develop a a negative connotation to his name until he took the business aspect out of the white man's hand and said, I'm gonna be the businessman and the fighter and make my own money, decide my own fight fighting who I want to fight. That's the exact same thing that Bob Arum. I think he was playing with the Bob Arum. Yeah, I might be calling him Yeah, that's how that's how that's right name. He did the exact same thing that Bob Arum did on his own and made more money, but it was only a problem once he started pocketing more of the money. No different than what Le'Veon Bell is doing in NFL, and and, and no different than what Kirk Cousins did in NFL. But you know what? Kirk Cousins didn't receive the same backlash. Why is that? Oh, because he's a white dude. Exactly, because when white men go forward and say, I'm going to be a businessman and earn my own business. He's supposed to be. It's okay. He's supposed to be right. Exactly. That's the reason why I wanted to call in and make that point. Mayweather did not start developing a negative conversation to his name until he he stopped being a fighter 100% and started being a fighter 50% and a businessman 50% and started double, tripling, and quadrupling his money. He made $100 million. Explain to me any fighter that's made $100 million by fighting a person a person that only ever had an amateur boxing record. Can't, you can't even find that, you know? No, no. But, 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 but when you sit there and you look at Mayweather versus uh, 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 Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor never had any boxing experience outside of an amateur boxing record. Yeah, he fought MMA. It's a completely different game. Mm-hmm. And yep. what did Mayweather bank on that? $100 million. Yep. Uh, actually, I think he banked like $150 million, and I think McGregor banked $100 million for that fight. Yeah. I, I, I got to go back it's and look at the a, numbers, but it was crazy. Right. It's only a problem, no different than anybody, any other black man that gets into business. It's only a problem when a black person has a business that is not fronted by a white dude. Now, I'll say this. I wrote about that in my book, which is called The Code. You know, it's available uh, on Amazon. It's called, it's called what? The Code. 
and uh, it's available. Oh, yeah, I got that. yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I know you probably saw that part when I used that that uh, that fight comparison to draw some of the similarities mm-hmm. of what we talk about in this discussion, because that's the principal discussion in, in in regards to when is it okay to again the theme for the night is betting on yourself. That's what Mayweather did, you know. Right, right. But and we with that, like we we. I'm okay with that. Innovation for that part, yeah. yeah. That's the that's the that's the, the the good aspect. But the, I think he doesn't he, he he doesn't relay that message more in all the clowning around shit he doing. I think that he should be talking more about how he did that than I'm fuck with y'all talking about. I'm going to Gucci. But but here's my part. But the, <laughs> but this is what I'm about to say. I'm okay, even though even though it's it's uh it's it's not cool to. To withhold whatever your secrets are for your financial success, he playing a different game. So I don't expect him to be able to tell me what he would do in the fourth quarter of a fiscal year versus somebody else that don't have the same money. So my 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 requirements are significantly different for for a person like that, especially on the entertainer and athlete type of. Uh, line of thought because they don't lead the same type of lives. They didn't got the same type of responsibilities. You know, we five hundred dollars for us may set us back a month or two on something else. But our five hundred dollars might be five million or five hundred thousand for somebody else and that's in that economic stratosphere. So and then not only that, he's demonstrated that what what his uh, energy is is uh for for everyone else that looks like him and it's not there. He's not invested. So that's the other part why I don't get upset. It'd be different if he pretended he was invested. Can I touch on that? Yeah. Can I, yeah, can I touch on that? Mm-hmm. Can I touch on that? Go ahead. And that's the reason why that's the reason why so many people are upset about what he's coming out and seeing and doing. Is because it's like what when I say, well, he didn't develop a, a large platform until he started becoming a businessman. So now he's got a platform, mm-hmm. right? So now what they do is they be like, well, he is him and Kanye West and some of these other people that are setting the average black person back. These are now the platform for African-Americans, right? So now they're saying, well, well, he he's okay with this, so you guys should be okay with it too. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because... Because he's got a platform, and because he's got a platform, it's kind of like he speaks for one or two million black folks, right? So even though your platform is not exactly saying, or my platform is not exactly saying what he's saying, my platform or your platform doesn't reach the same level of people. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So when you say, well, you say, well, he sold out for something that he wasn't bought into. Well, it's not necessarily that he hasn't bought into it, but when you start talking about where we are as a people, and you start talking about the three people that do have platforms, they don't they don't stand up the Jay Z's when they talk about uh, social justice reform. You don't see a lot about uh, Meek Mill when he talk about social justice reform. You don't see a lot about uh, Yasin Bey when you talk about social justice reform and equality for African Americans. You don't see that 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 on mainstream media. We talk about uplifting black folks, but what you do see on spins on MSNBC, NBC, ABC, CBS, CNN, all right, you see, got back on, you see Kanye West going to the White House talking about uh, make America great again. You see, you know, the Floyd Mayweather talking about, oh, well, you know, blackface this. And, and my whole thing, I got to do more research on the blackface thing because 
that whole blackface thing, it's not, you got to understand in, in my aspect, right? You got to understand that there's American culture and there's international culture. Yeah, because right? you're right. Because and international mm-hmm. culture is not driven by American culture. Nope. Right? So just, just for a quick little snip, tidbit, right? There's in, in the Netherlands, there's this, um, there's this actual character. I already know what you're talking about. Side by side with Santa Claus. It's called Black. Uh, 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 I can't remember his goddamn name, but I researched it earlier. So there's a whole festival, right? Yep. Everybody paints themselves. Yep. Uh, to, yeah, there's a whole festival surrounding uh, Christmas and St. Nicholas, where his sidekick is this black faced character named Sun Piet, which basically. Um, translates to Black Peter, right? Mm-hmm. He's like Santa he's like he's basically like Santa Claus elf in the Netherlands, right? Mm-hmm. So I w I wasn't gonna post that earlier, I wanted to post it, she posted, but then when I started looking at dates, right? Blackface was introduced in like eighteen thirty. Right? Okay. Okay. In America. Mm-hmm. Blackface was introduced blackface as a a, a media as a, a, a entertainment venue in America was introduced in nineteen in eighteen thirty. I'm sorry, in the eighteen thirty. This other character in the Netherlands wasn't introduced until eighteen fifty. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I gotta research is well, where did they draw the inspiration? Yeah, know? yeah, like who who sparked that idea? Yeah, I took that over there. You see what I'm <laughs> saying, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So we, we gotta sometimes we gotta understand that Yes, we are in America. America is only 300 million people out of, what, 6.5 billion people worldwide, right? Right. right. So we're, we're roughly one, what, what, what's that, one-fifth, one-tenth, one-eighth one, one yes. of the world population. Yeah, we might be offended, right? Mm-hmm. But guess what? Gucci and all these other companies are not U.S.-based. Based they, make, they make their money abroad, so man. They make their money worldwide. So it does matter. matter. It does matter. It does matter. It does matter because if you got, if I'm, I'm just, I'm just gonna use blackface as a, as a, um, as an example, right? And I'm not saying that blackface isn't offensive to African Americans because of what we've been through, but you gotta understand that that's one tenth of the world population, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say, let's just say, for hypothetical speaking, right? You got 300 million people over here, right? Mm-hmm. And then you got 6.2 billion people over the world population. That are cool with Black Peter being the the, the sidekick of Saint Nick. Are you going to pander to the three three hundred million or the six point five billion worldwide? That's the part where Drew was saying that it doesn't cool matter. Thing. No, no, that, that, that right, that's what I'm saying. It yeah. don't matter to them. It doesn't. Yeah, like they don't have right. to. They don't have right, to right, appease right. us to make money off of the same thing. Exactly. Which is, well, that's why that's I said. That's why I don't think we have to get that shit energy every time something pops up. Right. Because it's not gonna. It doesn't hurt them enough anyway. We we so don't make up enough. Going about our bi- right. If we just go ahead and go on about our business, find you something else to wear. Like we need to have like a when shit like that happens, we need to be able to have a. You know how when you and and you can be at work and you and the one of the coworkers you cool with, right? And some bullshit yep. going on in front of you, right? And y'all could just look at each other. Yep. And no, you can just look at each other yeah, and both of y'all automatically get the same right. the same thing. Mm-hmm. That's what we yep. need. Like so when we when shit like that go on, we just automatically look at each other and say, Y'all, you see that shit, right? Right? And go on about our business. Yep. So when Gucci look up, 
when, when they when Luke, Gucci looked up and like, okay, I ain't hearing hear this these many rap lyrics or yada yada yada. Like we ain't moving because they got somebody working that area. Yeah. Or so there's an urban area of Gucci where somebody just got their ear to the street, right? Mm-hmm. right. So when when you your name ain't being dropped in as many songs as it was, somebody paying you know that some saying? attention. Like, let them let right let them feel the effect instead of hear the effect. But the, the thing the thing that I think is fraud is when when, when um when like Ti was like, oh Gucci only only pop because we make it pop. No, bro. No. Mm-mm. We only get yeah. three case out of time. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, I don't agree with that. <laughs> we, we only, we only, we only, what, 13% of 300 million. In America. In America, we in only America, make up 13%. Bro. Yeah. We can't even. Like, you can lose the entire American dollar and be straight. Yeah. Hey, hey, follow my math. We're only 13% of 300 million of 6.8 billion in the world. Bro, we a fart. We a fart in in terms of. uh, Right, right. But but that was two numbers you had over the thirteen percent. Right. So what you gotta understand is when they making this, what 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 Gucci is doing when they do, and and I made a post recently. I said I made a a whole post on my own page. I said the plot twist in this old situation is we begged these motherfuckers over many years to be able to patron their environment. We fought to be able to give them our money. <laughs> right. right, to be exploited with you. Right? You guys are not gonna segregate us. We gonna pay you guys and you are gonna sell to us. Take we my money. That shit. And yeah. That's what we did. We threw our money to them and they said, no, we don't want it. And we said, no, you're gonna take it. Yep. And now, once they're taking it, they said, well, look, it's our merchandise. We gonna caricature you motherfuckers. And now we're saying, well, 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 wait a minute. Yep. We don't have to spend our money with you guys. We don't have to spend our money with you guys. We're going to spend our money elsewhere. Guess what they said? Oh, we're trying to get this for the last 40 or 50 years. Now you guys are doing it on your own. You guys are boycotting our, you guys are boycotting our merchandise. That we didn't want to sell to you any fucking way. Man, check. You don't want you wearing it anyway. Well, check this. We don't want and you this. Because cause, cause you can't tell me that there's some white people out there that stopped wearing Gucci as soon as niggas started wearing <laughs> Right. Those yeah. people yeah, exist. They yep. They are. But wow. guess what, though? Here's the thing, though. Gucci, a Gucci bag. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Let me go to where I know. A Gucci belt. Didn't get a five hundred dollar price tag on the strength of the dollar of the black bag. Nope. For sure. Mm-mm. It was already priced there. Yep. It was already priced there, right? And then right. we decided the only, if I'm being honest, the only market that we drove was the counterfeit market to put their brand <laughs> on a forty dollar product. That is the yeah. that is the market that we drove. And and that and that's, that's where the Koreans market. and the Chinese make all that other money from. Yep. And the they the old black market. Mm-hmm. The counterfeit market. Yep. Yes, sir. Oh, and, 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 and let me add this. And let me add this too. This is this whole conversation is perfect because this is the principle of why I felt like we didn't need to address it, but we also have to talk about why we shouldn't address it. And and, and look, this is also a, a, a great marketing strategy by Gucci, right? Make black people mad right. and they'll talk about it. And then white people will go buy it. 
and all they have to do is it's, invest in pissing off 13 percent of the United States. Well, see, I don't necessarily it's know so that easy. White, I, don't, I don't necessarily know that white people are going to go and buy it because I think that they're going to buy what they're going to buy regardless of the, the of course the yeah yeah I say that very loosely you know I'm not saying that's very specific I'm just saying if you anger okay. us we will market it for you. Well, that's yep. true. That's true. And it, and it don't matter who goes to go picks it up. Here's the thing that's important to me. Is that you mentioned this, that, that, you know, once Gucci did blah, 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 then you had a whole bunch of people posting their their um their friends that sell black. Right, right. Right? So with me, what, what really, the, the best strategy for effectiveness would be if let's say Drew or Vic had a clothing line mm-hmm. and on mass we started purchasing that clothing line to the extent that now here's the extent to the extent that that clothing line became strong enough to develop an IPO to where now they can be traded on the stock market that's where the money is made right okay it, the money isn't made on oh well fucking Sherman Vic and Drew got a clothing line and it's selling out of the trunk of goddamn Buicks and Caprices. That's not where the money is made. The money is made in an international market when that shit can now have an IPO and be traded as public stock and have investors. Yep. Because the investors is what push further production, mm-hmm. which push further um, development, research and development, further design. That's where that shit goes. Yeah. Yeah. That's why a lot of these a lot of these businesses that are shut off from from African Americans. That's why they can continue to move forward because we got investors that are heavily invested in the stock market that's giving them money for the stocks, which is basically a promise to pay. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Right. So you right. give them $30, $30 per share of stock, $100 per share of stock, what they do with that money? We're going to reinvest it in something else. They're going to reinvest it in technology, equipment, yep. design. Diversified uh, funds. All of that stuff. Mm-hmm. We, yeah, diverse. We don't have that within any, and, and that's part of when I start looking at, and, and, and I I go back to like five years ago. I go back to five years ago when when Kanye West was on Sway and Tech saying, "You ain't got the answers, Sway. You ain't got the answers." <laughs> and that's and that's what he was talking right? about. The yeah. infrastructure, right here. Infrastructure is we were talking about because as long as he is making, and, and, and I don't wear Kanye clothes. I got somebody I work with that wear Kanye clothes, right? As long as he is making clothes with denim that's made by a non-African American, he is still making money for them. Yeah. So in essence, Sway didn't have the answers mm-hmm. because Sway didn't have a denim, a denim manufacturing pro, uh, oh. plant that was making denim for him to pin his design so that the money was going back to sway and a whole shot and, of and African-Americans that was making his denim. So when he said, you ain't got the answer, Sway, he was right. Sway docuseries you remember when he was trying to go get something to eat and he couldn't eat because the 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 food didn't yep. come from a black farm it was a, 
restaurant, but the food came from a white farm. Yep. So, and he was trying he to. He had to spit that shit out. Yeah. <laughs> right. So he literally had bit it and had to spit it back out. Yeah. So and, and that, that's where you come from. That's where you, I think you made a post recently about tribal thinking. Yep. It, 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 but you know what? Here's the thing, though. The problem is when you start thinking about when you start talking about like tribal thinking like that. Like let's say let's say Vic has a farm and Vic raises animals and Sherman has a slaughterhouse and, and Sherman slaughters the animals, mm-hmm. right? And then Drew has a restaurant. And Drew cooked the animals up and make plates out of them and sell them for ten dollars a pop, mm-hmm. right? All black business, right? So what ends up happening is that shit ends up getting slandered because it's separatist. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. Cracker Barrel do the goddamn same. Cracker Barrel do the same goddamn thing. Yeah, the name Cracker Barrel. That that's that's a worn off anyway. Thank you. Like that's what I'm sweating. Look, I did use, use them because that's one of my favorite restaurants. <laughs> and I love Cracker Barrel, but. We can use IHOP, we can use McDonald's, yep. we can use Burger King. They, they do the same thing, but what happens is it's not painted with the same brushstrokes. No, of course not. It's not painted with the same brushstrokes. It's not painted with a nationalist uh, 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 connotation. Mm-hmm. It's not painted as, oh, well, these guys are being separatists and they only want to patron black establishment, or, or I'm sorry, white establishment. That's not what happens. We well, need to. We do it. It's like, oh well, you know, we can't have it. We need to. We can. We can benefit from from pandering economically, though. You know what I'm saying? We come up with some some oh, very sure. f- fluid names and then make people feel comfortable. And they say, you know, you like, uh, who who owns this place? And then by that time, it, we already billionaires. You know what I mean? Take so it's already in your throat, bitch. <laughs> 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 I can't <laughs> Man, but, you know, I want to beat that that uh that horse uh, uh any longer because we we know what what this circle of uh, com- uh conversation is about. We all have been on the same what? things. Um it's just good to be able to have it recorded, documented and you know, so it can be a reference point for somebody else because some things you may not care about that much today versus, you know, in the future. So um I think it's important to highlight that every time something is designed to trigger, you know, a response from the black community, that we got to know that we're being exploited, you know, and 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 it's for for a laugh and for a dollar for for people that don't have to endure, you know, uh, the things that's associated with our exploitation. So, so every time you get offended, somebody's getting paid. So be careful how you share your offense. So, exactly. You don't have to move every time they say move, man. Yep. Let's just do that quick. Give us. Let's just do the eye contact. We seen that shit. Mm-hmm. Right. The eye contact. The head nod. The universal head that's nod. That's it. Head nod. The eye contact. You already know. That's all it takes. Yep. Y'all know how you yeah. be at work and, and your two white coworkers off that bullshit. Look at this motherfucker. Man, look. I had yeah. that shit happen just today. I promise you, I did. Hey man, look. Yeah, right. Let's yeah. We got we got see we gotta take that out the we gotta take that national man. 
we got to have a, that universe ahead. We got to look out for each other like that the whole way around. Yep. But but you, but you know what the, 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 the issue that I have with that is? White folks don't, don't do that. They don't have that. They don't have that because, you know, they're, you know, 67% of the, of the, the, the American population. So it's like, Oh shit! We gonna say whatever we want to, and fuck if you if you like it or not. You know what I mean? Well, white right. people have never had to socially and that's regroup. Yeah. So, white people have never had to socially regroup and have to encourage each other to believe that they're human beings. Okay, so exactly. there's a lot of there's a lot of missing right. pieces in that. So I understand exactly what you're saying, but I'm saying that for further clarification. You know, if for for anybody that might be listening or watching. So fuck how they feel. I like, I like that. I like that thought process. That man, I, I man, you know, I, I spent a lot of time. I spent a lot of time trying to explain um, the black experience to people that don't understand the black experience. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because it's like this, man. If you don't understand it, you never lived it. At the end of the day, you don't know it. You don't have any equity. You, know, like, you don't have any equity in the situation. It's, so it's, it's, it's not even that you don't have any equity. Like there are some people, there are some people genu- that genuinely have never even heard or experienced the black experience from even talking to another black person or even like white people, Spanish people. I got some Spanish people that are just as much non, or, or excuse me, just as much oblivious to the black experience as anybody else. Yeah. And sometimes you gotta sit I, I find myself having to sit down and talk about do you know what it's like to be a semi successful black person driving a a a, a, a what's considered a luxury car and get pulled over three times. I, I, I like how you said what's considered because a lot of these luxury cars in America car. them things is taxis right. in other countries, man. Well, it, it, it's all perspective. Yeah. It's all perspective of perception. Yeah. You know a Mercedes Benz is a a Mercedes Benz in Germany is a Camry. Yes. <laughs> yes. If you go, and, and, and if you go to Qatar, is a Mercedes German for Camry? Yeah. Yeah, no. A, a Mercedes Benz <laughs> in Qatar is it, it, it's a subcompact. Right. Everybody got them. The one that you don't see is a Ford Mustang in Qatar. Yeah, I, I get it. You know what I'm saying? But when you're in America and you drive a what's considered a fifty thousand dollar luxury car, they're gonna look at you sideways. Yeah, I get and it. And a lot of people don't understand that. You know, you got a lot of people that that when they get sixteen, they get BMWs. Yep, off the bat. Maybe C classes, maybe E class. Off the cuff. You know what I'm saying? And they can't understand what it's like when you finally be able to afford a luxury car and you get in that luxury car and you get pulled over every five miles. <laughs> because right. you don't look like you should be driving it, driving that car. And, and, and what's funny like, is that yeah, that sounds yeah. extreme, but that's a reality for certain people. You know what I'm saying? It's a reality, exactly. Like, um, like, like where I live is it's pretty. I, I would say it would be considered to be affluent, depending on you know uh, another comparable area, right? Because like in a military community, yeah. everybody owns something. Even somebody that's not rich usually owns something in comparison to if you go to a, a major metropolis somewhere, it's either the have or the have nots. Generally speaking, where I live, most people have something. Home ownership in the area where I live is at 73%. That's crazy. Three quarters of the population owns a house. And 
That's nuts. That's nuts. And I like to see the breakdown of how many people own multiple houses here. So, like, you're not getting pulled. You have to be doing something pretty stupid to have a regular interaction, recurring interaction with police force down here, you know? But, but outside of this bubble, that reality that you speak of is a whole lot more probable. You know what I'm saying? Where, where we're not in that military bubble, you know, where we live. So that's, and that's, that's all true. You know, I don't disagree with nothing that you just said, but I want to move on to, you know what I'm saying? A plug for my book, because I got a caption that kind of encompasses everything we've been talking about tonight. We've been talking about betting on ourselves and we've been talking about uh, being caretakers of where we give our energy to, you know? So um, I took, I, I, I've been making a habit of taking screenshots of certain posts that I feel like will be useful for later on, uh, uh, on discussions like this. And in my caption, I says, when I said, when you give your positive energy to issues that negatively reinforce bad practices, it seems like we're not coming together. The right people are already moving forward together. And I published a book. That explores this topic in depth. Say that, say that again. Say that again one more time. I said, when you give your positive energies to issues that negatively reinforce bad practices, it it seems like we're not coming together. The right people are already moving forward together. Basically saying, get out your feelings and get back in your bag. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Or go get you a bag. Preferably not Gucci, but you you get what I'm saying. <laughs> so. Um, the links to the book are located in the uh, in the caption, and for those of you that have already purchased it, you know it's Black History Month. Go ahead, and buy two more copies and give it to some other black people. Give it to some white people too. So, all right, <laughs> hey, the, hey, you got you got to you got to make the effort. So let's let's go on to the next one. All right, so Dame Dash apologized to Jay Z. Biggs, Jim Jones, and Steve Stout, and Lyre Coy. I hope I said his name right. Maybe it's Lear Coy. It's got to be Leo. He calls him Liar. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's what it is. <laughs> All right. Spell it. Spell it for me. Uh, L-Y-O-R. Lima, Yankee, Oscar, Romeo. I think that would be Leor. Leor. We're going to go with Leor. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, that's Leor. I'm, I'm, I'm about ninety-seven percent sure it's Leo or Cole. Okay, so <laughs> so we um Liar, so <laughs> that's that's gr- that's grimy, right? So so yeah, man, like Drew and I were having a conversation about uh the dissolution of Rockefeller and the the different nuggets that that Jay Z's dropped over over the years and lines when. You know, he chose his route and, you know, and then, you know, separated himself from Dame and the things that Dame was doing and the way Dame was conducting business. Jay-Z bet on himself. And we all know that that has never rested well with Dame. Y'all like the way I said that bet on himself, right? I I slid that on up under the door like a hotel receipt when it's time to check out. Yeah, that's that the hotel receipts do go just like they, they, they slide. Hey, that shit kind of disrespectful like too when they slide that thing under the door. I'd be kind of salty, you know what I'm saying? And but uh, can, can I ask you a question? Go ahead, go ahead. And I'm I'm, I'm gonna let you finish. <laughs> I'm gonna let you finish. <laughs> All right, yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna let you finish. 
before you get into this topic, okay. do you think that, that Jay-Z would have made the same level of success for himself had he stayed under Dame Dash and the Fay and the Rockefeller clique? No. Short answer. Nope. Okay, I'm good with that. Carry on then. Okay, so over the years, we've always felt like Dame has been extra salty and has come out in even certain instances. And I think Jay has done a good job in terms of, uh, you know, explaining himself, whether it be just through song or interview or whatever. And we have yet to really see Dame have to uh, uh, bring himself to reasonable conversations where he's not uh, uh, oozing and and, and and false bravado and and just over the top, you know what I'm saying, explanations, you know. Um and then in this video, you could tell that he had an emotional moment multiple times, or it's a culmination of emoti- emotional moments where he actually gotta speak. You know, I don't know what prompted it, but the fact that he actually said something at the beginning of that speech, he wasn't even being sincere in the beginning Mm-mm. of that speech. No, he wasn't. Wait, I'm not, I'm not sure what speech I'm not sure what speech we talking about. Can you can you inbox me that speech? And yeah, and I'll review it later. Yeah, I get it to you. So, right, so it it still took like Dame talking crazy about Jay and 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 during the height of that whole Aaliyah thing, talking about who had involvement with it when he did some some grimy then, you know. And that, yeah, that too, you know. Um, but we had already had a conversation about Dame's, uh, uh, you know, what I'm saying uh, mind state and some of the things that led to the decisions that Jay Z uh, made for his own career and and current uh, uh, situation, right? So, what 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 are your thoughts on that whole interview, uh, Drew? Oh, first first of all, if when I first saw it. I thought he was just being a dick as usual, mm-hmm. like because the, in the first part of the day, and like in the first part of what was supposed to be an apology or what I read was supposed to be an apology, he says, "I'm sorry to Steve Stout, Jim, and uh, not Jim to Jay, Steve Stout, and, and Leo Cohen." If I right, right, Biggs. Yep. I'm sorry that. We don't have the same morals and principles, right? which which was so backhanded. Like, I, okay, yeah, I was like, yeah, that I was a bang, oh. like, You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I'm, you basically said, "I'm sorry, your morals are trash." Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm standing on the right side. Mm-hmm. Right, but then later on in the interview, it's like he finally, when he says to Jay, "I'm sorry, Aaliyah had me messed up for a minute. I miss our friendship." Right. Right. And then he says yeah, it's all about. Like, so like, so like he had an emotional attachment to Aaliyah. He over bros. Yep. He did because at some point that was both of them were interested in the same woman being Aaliyah at one point. Little girl. <laughs> right. so, yeah. Yeah. I like hey, both, they, both of them was hey they got that hotel receipt. He slid it under the door. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. So whether both of them smashed or not, we'll never know. But. In those type of situations, think about in this, think about situations where there's been two guys after the same chick, right? And one one guy's got to get the chick, but the guy with the chick 
is always the guy with, under the most pressure, not the guy that didn't get the shit. Because right. you're constantly worried about the other guy that you beat out for the Hey, you you moving too far away from your hands free device. Oh, let me find Yeah, because oh, yeah, I I can do that too. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, if you the the guy that gets the chick is always worried about the guy that doesn't get the chick, right? True. So if Dane wins Aaliyah in that battle, you're always looking over your shoulder for Jay. Right? Yeah. So, how are y'all conducting business day to day when all you thinking about is well, you But wait a minute, though. Neither one of them got them male holes water because R. Kelly ended up with the chick. No, this is after R. Kelly. So yeah. R. Kelly was married to her when she died in the airplane. No, 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 no. No, no, no. She was with Dane when she died in that airplane. Yep. She oh, was with Dane Dash already. I, I, I got shit fucked up there. Yeah, yeah. yeah you no, know, R. Kelly was early in the game. If you remember, our, that their relationship ended with their relationship musically as well. Yep. Because Ace, R. Kelly entered Timberland and Missy. Yep. I'm about to do more research. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, R. Kelly. R. Kelly is, R. Kelly is, the, the, I want to say he kind of discovered a leader, like, 14 years he, old. He, he wrote most of that first album. Yep. But the, what, what, here's the thing, though. He didn't discover Aaliyah. Oh, he was, he had her first. He I, had her before no, Missy no, 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 no. Well, here's the thing. He may, have, he may have discovered her sexually, but she was already in the music business before because... She was under her uncle. Well, we we talk. I, I think what it. I think what Drew is saying is that I'm her, about her, her first album, R. Kelly's on the cover. He talking about yeah, that's what yeah, he talking about. Well, well, because he was he was the ex- executive producer for that album, but that, was, that was all. That, album. that was yeah yeah. That, that's what the, yeah he was executive producer and a, and a writer, but all that was is a, is a grooming effort. That was a, a perverted goddamn. Hey, that's I'm what I'm saying. All of that is the time where they're in a sexual relationship. They got married. Yeah, the details don't matter at that point. What we're talking about is the fact that when Aaliyah was big, R. Kelly was there. We're not saying, regardless of whatever particulars that led up to that, that's 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 not the point. Yeah, yeah, because after that is when her relationship with Dave starts. Yeah, I didn't know that. I'm, so, I'm so R. Kelly, yeah, R. Kelly is long. He's long out of the picture by the time that plane goes down. Yep. Okay. Cause she's what? I didn't know that. She should be like, she's what, two, three albums in at that point, right? Something like that, yeah. And I, we don't, you don't hear another Aaliyah R. Kelly song after Age Ain't Nothing But a Number. After that album, it's all Missing and Timber. Yep. All right. So, yeah. Right. So that's where the, that's where the end of, you know, the 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 fall of all great things between two men is always because of one. But. <laughs> I feel like that's where the, that's where the risk started. Yep. When you, the, I can't do business with you if I'm worried about you poking my honey. Yeah. You swiping at the job. Right. So. I, I I do I do think that that Dame was probably always overlooking it, looking over his shoulder for uh for that receipt to slide under the door. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> Every argument you had with Jay Z after that was not about whatever y'all was arguing about. It, it was rooted in something else, you know. Like you got, yes. he said, "Okay, this is the issue. Now let's talk about the problem." 
And, yeah, okay. and, and this no, this speaks to a whole other issue of male fragility that 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 needs to be that needs to be a whole that they go yeah that needs to be a whole Facebook that they go uh, podcast topic yeah it could be that real salty yeah that, that, that ain't that ain't going nowhere like that's gonna always it exist is. mm-hmm. I, that ain't going to, look, as long as you got to in Marvin's room, that shit ain't going nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, yeah. What? As long as you got to, look, male fragility got an anthem with uh, Barvis room. That's what, <laughs> you you know what I'm saying? That's on yeah. that. As long as you got niggas making, as long as you got niggas got Marvin's room in their playlist, that <laughs> stuff in that shit ain't going nowhere. No, at all. At all, period. The Sims going to be here. Mm-hmm. But see, that's what he played, that's, Hey look, and that's what hey, that's what game had the game fucked up at. Mm-hmm. Free male fragility, free that nigga. <laughs> 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 hey, don't judge me. I, hey, look, I'm too comfortable. Don't judge me. <laughs> oh, I'm just, hey, all the time I, you know what I'm saying. I'm just saying you could do better. <laughs> Are you drunk right now? Like that's, <laughs> that's what happened. Mm-hmm. They could have done better in 90, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now you just got to, now you in a position where, and I like how Jay just stayed cool. Jay basically said, y'all will see that shit for y'all still. Right. It'll come around. Mm-hmm. It'll come back around. Yep. And he just went on the business of, because there was no reason for them to split. They, they fight in the same like saying that the Aaliyah variable, right? When you look at all the other stuff that Dame did, like when he brought in Dipset, and then he didn't talk to Jay about that in this comparison, you know. Hold your phone, the mobile phone. What? Yeah. heard that. Yeah. You know. What are y'all doing over there? Like even when uh, I, I remember there was a line on um, uh, what was it uh, uh that song Gangster Music, and uh, he was like uh, at the beginning of it. He was like, Cam about to come take over the rock or some shit like that. And I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, that, like, straight up, like, why would you even utter that? You know? And why, if it was said, and, and, and to me, that seemed like was it might have been a. Was that a game line? No, that was Cam saying that. But, like, Cam and Dipset coming to the rock wasn't negotiated or discussed with Jay like that. And that wasn't made no super group either, nigga. That was the successor to Jay Lee. Correct. That shit was already in play. Yep. So. I like it. <laughs> and that's and that's just me thinking from Birmingham, Alabama. I don't know any of these motherfuckers. Right. <laughs> but like, what 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 it is and what it looked like. You know what I'm saying? That that's always up for discussion. Right. That's all. All I got is a bunch of myths. Yep. Or a bunch of theories, really. Right. And, and basically, Dipset came on and said. <laughs> Basically, there was a line on Dipset that said, "Cam about to take over the rock." Correct. I think um, I think Jules Santana um, said it. I'm a, let me see if I can find that song. Well, because and see, and I think that was, and I think that was, that wasn't cool on Dame's part at all for Cam and them mm-hmm. because it was, it was Cam didn't. It was, it was, yeah, was coming in thinking they was coming to, they thought they was coming in to work with Jay, mm-hmm. not to take his place. So when Jay's not warming up to them, they looking at it like, oh, he being a dick. But no, they ain't put y'all in the middle of some shit. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
And you shouldn't be here under these pretenses. So basically, he used them as a weapon and it backfired on them. Right. He was operating out of spite. Think about, think about, think about on the on Kingdom Come, right? Think about the song "Dig a Hole." Yep. When Jay says, "I don't know the lyrics," when Jay was saying something about you left your fingerprints, you ain't have to be there. He was talking today. Mm-hmm. Like you sit them boys out here in front of me, but you, you, you know what I'm saying? You program, you you programming it. That's true. I can see that too. What to do. You set you setting them up to take me down because you think you can take me down. Instead of just bowing out gracefully. Because really Dane could have played that a whole nother way. Mm-hmm. Because you was fighting for something that Jay was getting ready to just sell anyway. <laughs> you could have took him. You you could have just took your handful of artists and went and did your own thing. Because you if you already saw the play Jay trying to leave, instead of being stubborn about it and trying to make Cam replace him and then set up a battle right there that you knew he couldn't win. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that you knew him in the state you know could not win. Cam was hot, but he and, wasn't and Jay. You know, so... Well, well, the thing about... The thing about... The thing about Cam is Cam is hot, he's smooth, he's fluid, but he's not marketable like Jay has made himself marketable. You know what I'm saying? And, and, Cam, ain't, younger, and Cam ain't even all that. I'm willing to say Jim Jones makes dope. better music than him. Well, well, Cam is dope in the fact that, like, you know, you look at you look at like influence of the game. Like, Cam really made pink. Cam really made thug niggas wear pink. He made. Uh, yeah, I mean, he he, he he made Harlem cats wear pink. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's in the south already yeah, wearing pink polos. Yeah, he didn't it, do nothing for us. yeah, like. Well, well I don't. Look, you didn't you didn't see a whole lot of popular uh, a whole lot of podcasts wearing pink. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, man, like Cam, in the South Cam, we I, I had two pink polos at that time. Yeah, with the plaid shorts in a sweat rag. Right. You didn't have pink polos in nineteen ninety four. Yeah, I probably had a checkered polo. Bro, that, bro, you talking about standard cookout attire. That's the cookout starter yeah. pack for us. <laughs> we 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 here for rested colors. Well, yeah. we do Easter around here. With, with the soldier reeds. But you, you look. You talk about you talk about before you you talk about before Outkast made the South pop. You talk about before Outkast made the South pop. So Bro. that's a whole different thing. That's a whole different thing. I mean, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, yeah, well, you, you about to, you about to go. When is before Outkast made the South pop? Yeah, we finna take a left turn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey. <laughs> like, what are you saying? Y'all, y'all talking about before. Y'all talking about before. It, 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 South niggas didn't really matter. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm getting at. Y'all, so the South cats didn't really matter at the time when when Cam ain't pink popular. Pink is now popular for guys to wear. Guys to so wear. we talking about the That's 2000s during the crunk era when, when the South wasn't popular. I don't understand what you're talking about because. Yeah, because when well, you said when this is before, because before Outkast put the South. Hey, you didn't fuck. Hey, Sherm, you didn't fucked up. Sherm, you didn't fucked up. Yeah, since ninety six, ninety seven, ninety four. Like no, I'm talking about before that. That's what Cameron was doing. No, 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 no. It wasn't no dipset then. It was right. I'm I'm bullshit. Look, I'm I'm look, I'm Asbed. I'm Asbed. Yeah, you talking to two southern hip hop historians, right? All I'm saying is, Cam was a different statement. Cam, Cam did, Cam did make a difference. You know what I'm saying? So, 
Maybe, just maybe they thought that he could be, be a Jay-Z. And it is, Jay-Z is one of those cats that just, he, he's, he's enigmatic. He's enigmatic and he can't really understand it. I wasn't really a big Jay-Z fan when I was younger, but now when I go back and I kind of like digest some of his lyrics, you, he's one of those lyrical concert guys that you got to research some of the shit that he say. Before you get him, you understand what he just said. Because it wasn't meant for everybody at the time. It wasn't meant for everybody at the time. Right. Like, if you... Say that again? Jay-Z wasn't uh, uh, meant for everybody. Like, if you go back and... I think one of his hardest joints was uh, 22 Twos that was on Reasonable Doubt. When I was repeating that in 1995 when Reasonable Doubt dropped the first time. See, everybody picked up on Jay in 96. Like, yeah, I didn't <laughs> he actually so. used the word two 22 times in a freestyle on there. You know what I'm saying? Like He did. He did. I caught that. So, like, in 95, ain't nobody looking for that in the South? Or, 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 nope. So, but see, he, he said that. He told you that in his whole rhyme, though, the 22 two. Yeah, yeah. We, we got it. But what I'm saying yeah. is, when they wrote it on the title, and then you had to sit down and say, I'm going to count these to see if it's really 22 twos. And it really was. So, like, how many people... Yeah, then, right. then that's when you had to sit back and say, with, with, with the Pikachu face. What the fuck is this shit? <laughs> What's happening here? Because before that, we was... I don't follow that. When you just pause with the, with the facial expression and your mouth open a little bit? Never mind. It's a meme. Yeah, I'm about to go back. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta inbox me that. You gotta inbox me that because I ain't catching that reference. Mm-hmm. The, the thing is, I, for me personally, like when I was younger, I didn't appreciate Jay Z lyrics. As I got older, I started to more appreciate Jay Z because when I started, when I started to realize, in a lot of what he does, is, he what he'll do is. He will make songs that are within the melody, the salesmanship, and the environment of what is going to pop commercially, but he'll give you some of the game if you actually pay attention to the lyrics within what's going to sell. That's one of the things that that are common, that Yasin Bey, that Talib Kweli, that Wale have not mastered is in being able to make a record that will sell that everybody will listen to that I think will Wale also can do it. Wale give away the game. Mm-hmm. No, he doesn't. I think no, he, he does. Wale got, Wale got hit singles. That Wale's got hit singles. That, that yes. actually get you know, play? Yeah, that's how they become a hit single. <laughs> what, what hit single? Huh? What hit single? I, what singles? Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm there's a bunch of them, bro. He, yes, he's got a. Wale is a. He's not an underground artist. At all. No, he's not underground at all. He's not a star, though. One of the biggest songs he had, they still play that shit, and it's like six, seven years old. The I'm Bad for the song. With the little sexy girl on the hook. But he got that work out here. Don't even say nothing else, though. Don't even say nothing else, though. Because. What you just did was you said you prepared you prepared Jay Z and Wale. You said, "Oh, Wale, he does it all the time." What was his song? What was his song? But right off the top, you can everybody can reference Twenty Two Twos. 
because I'm a home fan. I'm not necessarily a Wale fan. But right. I know if I turn my radio on, I'm going to hear Wale four or five times before I get to work. But, you know, you got to get what he has. He, he has commercial success. He He's does. Not, you can't put, no, I wouldn't put him in the same category with Khalil Kwali and Most Def and all them. No. I don't. I don't, yeah. Most Def has, he did, what hits does he have other than Miss Fat Booty? And I don't even think. That's a hit. That that's just a couple classic. That's Miss New Booty. That's Miss New Booty. That is, it's cool. No. No, 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 no. Miss New Booty is some other shit. That's yeah, it's Miss Fat Booty, bro. Miss Fat Booty is most is, is most there. Okay. Yeah. I'm 100% sure of that. That's his biggest song. You're going to take, take an L if you go against that one. I'm, I promise you. Yeah, I, I ain't going against it. I'm not going against it. <laughs> going against yeah, it. Miss New Booty sounds like some shit Bubba Sparks made. That that's what it was. I found you, okay. Miss New Booty. Yeah, that's, that's that's Bubba Ms. Sparks. Booty, it don't even say fat booty in the hook. It's just the hook is some wild shit. I'm not, I'm, I'm, and he's okay, just okay, rhyming about the hook. I, I know I know the song. I know the song. I'm wrong about the title. You need some I, vitamins, bro. Yeah. I'll bow to that one. I'll bow to that one. I, I know the song. Wale Wale has commercial hits. Like he, he could go do a set with about ten songs that get radio speed. Yep. The other cats. Hey, what part of the, so what? What part of the game is he teaching in, in those commercial hits? What part? He, he's a poet. It's always some lotus flower bomb. It's always about a girl. Yeah. He got the he got that song. He got the song with Usher where he was scared of the wet. It's always <laughs> some sentimental shit about a girl. But but that's what that's I'm his, saying though. That's his that's his lane. That's his life. No, no, I get, no. yeah. I, I, he's a poet. I, I, By nature, he, he, he writes poetry. Yeah, but see, I think I think you got to confuse because when I'm talking about the game with, with Jay Z, when he what I'm saying when he, he teaches the game, he's teaching about like the rap game, the political game. Everybody that you got Tank teaching about like the relationship game. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about. Oh, that's cool because we don't. Yeah, we don't need everybody. Well, we don't need everybody that's, rapping that's about cool. that though. That. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm yeah. cool with that. That's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking about. That's yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. He's not. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. That's the reason why I dropped Wale. That's what, when you talk about when you talk about Wale and dropping game. You talk about something different than what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He got some the uplifting. The, the black movement, the you know, get, get every uh, every, uh, every but that's the thing uh, though. Everybody uh, ain't everybody ain't qualified for that though. Like and, and that's cool. Yeah, we don't need. I don't, yeah, I don't need Fat Joe telling me the well, same shit Jay telling me. <laughs> well, it's not that everybody's not qualified for that. No, no, no. It's not that everybody's not qualified for that. The thing is that the the record execs don't want to push that because they know that. If they push that, then you're gonna have more titles. You're gonna have more TIs and pushing artists and <laughs> their masters in their contracts versus getting I think that's contract. I think that's already you know a done saying? deal, man. I think it's already a done deal. It's it's already it's the the executives are no longer in control of the shit. Nope. Because you that got too many independents. How did that start though? Where did that, that start? Yeah. That started with Jay streaming music. Exactly. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, okay, we, we, we know that already. But, but we yeah, know, yeah, we, 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 are, already. we already agree with that, though. Okay. We talk we talk about Jay at least twice a week. Yeah, but, but we... But Just we in a regular conversation. Mm-hmm. But, 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 we, but when I said Jay-Z giving game in his lyrics, then we went to Wale giving game poetically in relationship. No, we were talking about hits. We were talking about hits at one point, too. That's yeah, what I was talking about with you. You start talking about dudes that give it out. We were talking about dudes that give out game and make hits. 
I think that's what we right. got confused. And, and, and my understanding, my, my 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 definition of game was a relationship game. That's the game. Okay, you talking game. about financial freedom yeah. game? That's the game we talking exactly. about. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's okay. what I'm saying. Okay. Got, well, no, 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 it's it's, 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 it's it's not a lot of those cats that can do that. Nas exactly. is probably another one that can help you with that. Mm-hmm. They had commercial yeah. success. It's just not a lot exactly. of them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, what I'm saying. I was misunderstood. It's all good. Yeah. Wouldn't Big Boy go in that category? Wouldn't Outcast go in that category? Yeah, the, yeah, Big Boy definitely does because he's put on like other artists and created, you know, like uh platforms so people can own their own shit, you know what I'm saying, and have and their you own listen to Big Boy's last album? We listened to Big Boy's last yeah, album. Yeah, right? I did. Definitely. I did. I did. I'm guilty. I did. I'm sorry about it. Oh, you okay. should check it out. He, it's some game I, in there I, too. I know I know T I is on that too though. Mm-hmm. Tia, Tia, another, and he showed it to you on TV. Yep, and you gonna see him. He showed it to you okay. on TV. Fam, I watched. I recently watched the other day, like Ben watched that that show he does with his wife. I've never seen it before. Uh, that shit is fire. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, that's a good ass show. Tomorrow, the family house. Like just to showing man, just to showing the way he put them. Oh yeah, he put his kids on. Yeah, he put his kids oh, on on real stuff. You know so. Yeah. He he's he's all about uh, uh, social empowerment, especially using the tools you got. But uh, man, and I hey, love it. Hey, we we could talk all night about this, but I, I, we're not going to since it's uh. Ti doing great things. I'm gonna say that Ti doing great things. Absolutely. Hey man, Sherm, I appreciate you being available, bro. All right, appreciate you. We'll, we'll talk. All right, I'll holler. Yep. All right, peace, bro. Yep, you have a good one, man. Drew. Yo, yo. yo, it's been a it's been a good chat, man. You know what I'm saying? After the two week break, you know. Uh, but yeah, yeah, man, this was nice. I was ready. Yeah, man, yeah, absolutely. And considering that, you know, we just took the you know what I'm saying the topics that that we had going on in, over the last week or so that that was hot, you know, it still you know took us down the rabbit hole on some things that still needed to be discussed. But it was all uh, you know, it wasn't no filler, you know, and. And I like the fact that, you know, uh, the theme was bet on yourself. Everybody needs to bet on themselves, you know. Um, yes, man. And, and, I'm, and I'm, 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 I'm taking that motto. To, I'm, I'm recently learning to, to, to live by that shit my own self, man. Like, you just got to do it, bro. You, you done did it the other way too long. Mm-hmm. Man, we done took you chances. You tried it the other way. And, and that's the thing. Some, somebody out there has leveraged us because they bet on themselves by using us. They bet on themselves. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So, like, we got to take that middleman out and take our circumstance and use that as leverage to bet on our own selves. So, with that being said, this has been another great episode of Code Talk. And uh, everybody else out there... Oh, hold up, man, before you close it out. Bro. Oh, oh, okay, go ahead. I know I'm out. I know I'm an hour early, man, but I'm going to go ahead and be the first one, man. Happy motherfucking <laughs> birthday, bro. You know what I mean? God damn, dog. You know I thought I was going to get out of here, Happy man. birthday. Hey, man. God damn. You know what I'm saying? I had to get that shout out before we get out of here. Hey, man, I Happy appreciate 40 it. Happy 40th, my nigga. God you know I mean? damn, man. I just turned 40 yeah. years old. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. I tried to it's slide out, out, out of here. Man. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> hey, man, I appreciate it, man. We'll chop it up later. All right, boy. One.